2: Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEM. So it's a big year and it's a big round of footy coming up. Top eight teams all playing top eight teams. When was the last time that happened? Michael Whiting will tell us. Uh, yes, indeed. Welcome to the Sporting Capital. Great to have you on board. However you, I hope you've had a great as day, a good a day as you possibly can, however you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in. It's great to have you on board, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us around the SEN network. You can call at any stage on the Harcourts Open line. Your move your Harcourts, uh, for all things real estate, speak to Harcourts, by the way. Uh, you can text in at any stage, 0433981116, off the temper text, temper, a mattress like no other. So this round of footy that's coming up this weekend, we're all very excited. Um, and after now that we've been able to move past, and by the way, if you still want to ring up and talk about um, Jordan Ngoi or Jack Ginevan or um, uh, Isaac Quainor, you are more than welcome. But as we look ahead, to a round of footy that we're all just rubbing our hands together in eager anticipation of. I was driving away from the studio last night thinking, I wonder when the last time was that all top eight teams played another top eight team. Well, as luck would have it, Michael Whiting from afl.com.au has written an article about it today. So we're going to relive some of those rounds and find out just how many times this has happened uh, in the AFL era. So, looking forward to catching up with Michael Whiting, especially uh, given that some of the games, when we look back on, um, had a big say in the outcome of the season and then what was to come, come the pointy end of it. So, looking forward to having that chat. Footy Tinder's back for uh, another week. Uh, Jordan Canales is going to come in and set the Footy Tinder table. You can do some swiping one 736 736. Uh, or zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. You can swipe uh, as well. Uh, a few people asking um, about the chat that we had uh, in the Maccas run. Uh, grab the one and only Big Mac at Maccas today um, with Associate Professor at Austin Health, uh, a leading endocrinologist, Ada Chung, in regards to FINA's decision uh, to ban trans women, uh, and also International Rugby League are doing the same thing today. There's um, reports that um, International Athletics are looking at possibly doing the same thing. So there's a few texts asking some questions of Ada Chung. Um, She's no longer with us uh, on the phone, but if you wanted to hear that chat again, because there's a lot of information in it, and that of a scientific nature, I'm still trying to wrap my head around parts of it as well, but we'll have it up on the podcast, uh, sen.com.au. And for the couple of people that, uh, as I said before, in this conversation that is complex, um, there is nuance, there are actual human beings involved in it and no one gets anywhere in a conversation of sensitive conversations of sensitive nature by being at the extreme of either end so if you're cracking it about me not reading out your abusive garbage um, that's why I'm not reading it out because you're not helping anybody it's not serving any purpose so I am going to want to try and get through some of those texts when we can because there's people making considered thought for and against as we debate this you know what's come down to uh, the ideas of inclusion and fairness and the science in and around that. Um, it's new terrain um, that we're navigating here, but for some people, it's terrain that they've been trying to navigate for their whole lives. So there's a way to have the chat. So if you're carrying on, and <laughs> you can just you can keep carrying on uh, in your own time. You're not helping anybody in this space, um, and there's certainly no agenda. In any way, shape, or form, either. Hey, the big news that I just I just got the chance to squeeze in a little earlier. Um, basketball bombshell, the goat, Mount Rushmore. And you look, if you t- think of t- think of Australian basketball Mount Rushmore. You, you've got to have Andrew Gaze, I reckon. You've got to have Paddy Mills, I reckon. Um, you, you've got to have. Um, oh, I've just had a mental blank. I've just had a mental bloke. The bloke won three championships with the Chicago... You've got to have um, Longley. Luke Longley. What happened to my brain? Um, Luke Longley's got to be on there. Lauren Jackson absolutely has to be on there. And exciting news. Nine years after playing her last international game, Lauren Jackson's going to come out of retirement to join the Opals World Cup squad. The World Cup happening in Sydney a little later on uh, this year. Uh, that is huge. She's been playing Siebel, the uh, second division. Um, basketball uh, in terms of uh, the Australian standard. Uh, and she's been dominating that. So that is very, very exciting. Um, Jordan Canellas, are you ready to do some uh, footy tinder? What microphone are you on there? Number three, Number three. Righto. Here we go. JK, hello. Hello. How are we? Uh, very good, thanks. Let me uh, just play the little opener so we know what's what. On the Sporting Capital, it's time to start swiping with footy tinder. Uh, Jordan Canellis, this is where you're going to give me some of the biggest statements that have been made by some of the biggest names in the game, mm-hmm. or throw up um, certain propositions to me, and I'm going to swipe left if I disagree. I'm going to swipe right if I agree. You can play along at home zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen, or you can call one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Um, where
0: are we starting, please? I'll put a few bits of audio in the folder for you if you've yep. got them. Yeah, the, uh, what, do, what do we need here? Number one right off the top. Of there should be a footy tinder folder at the top
2: there. Oh, there we go. Let's, I like how we're having our planning meeting uh, yeah. on air. So, all Taking right.
0: you behind the scenes, listeners.
2: All right, here we go. Number one. Number one, this is Nathan Buckley.
3: Well, it, it's um, a big story, isn't it? It's a big issue. And it's, it's something that the club doesn't need and didn't really need to happen. But there's there's been some choices that have been made that have made it put, popped out the surface. There's video evidence. There's people speculating on this, that and the other, whether it's right, whether it's wrong. And it's a bit of a recidivist situation yeah. where you get caught in the same cycle, in the same situation, which is unfortunate. Um, the club have got a little bit of work to do. It needs to be open. It needs to be addressed. But the organisation is what needs to make its call on what's acceptable.
0: So I want to focus more on the, the front part of what Nathan Buckley said. Uh, swiping left or right. Jordan Goey made more... Wrong decisions than, than okay decisions.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, I swipe right to agree with that. Oh, you reckon? Actually,
0: no, I, I swipe left. Yeah. Yeah. So as so I so I disagree. Yeah. Swipe swipe right if you think if you think he made more bad decisions than good ones, or left if you think vice versa, he made more good. decisions. So that'll be in the eye of the beholder. That'll be. And yeah. we we I spoke about this last night. That
2: that the, the most serious part of this was the hand looking to to rip or to yep. to pull the the clothing aside. Yeah. Understanding that the woman who's posted the video and involved has said I don't have an issue with that, but it speaks to a broader issue about. Mm-hmm. You and you, re- as a representative uh, of the game, and and I'm not I'm not going down the 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 role models line. It's your representative of the game, your club. Um, you you have had to be educated in this space before, and had had to undertake counselling in this space before. Um, that's that's just the the woman involved in the video stopped it from happening.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, whilst had no issue with it after, certainly it didn't look like it'd been something they'd discussed earlier. And that action doesn't get the same result if it's done to somebody else. So that's that's behaviour that just can't be tolerated and it can't be condoned by the club. So that's the part of it that that I thought was the most serious. The club that's the part that the club said they found the most serious. I said yesterday that I, I didn't care I couldn't have cared less that he went to Bali, went out to a nightclub and had a drink in his time off it, other people will because they think that that's not what being the best footballer he can be is all about. It's up to him whether he wants to put in those kind of work hours to be the best player he can be. He's clearly, to me, and I'm not having a crack at him, it's just my belief on him is that it's just, it's just if it's not important to him, then why is it important to me? Like Kyrios, I, I, I made the Kyrios comparison, and many people have, that Nick Kyrgios looks at tennis like a job. He, it's not the be-all and end-all for him. He likes other things, but this is how he can make money and make a good living. I get the impression that that's Jordan degoey. I also now have an understanding of his, not that it's an excuse for, it, but it gives me a greater understanding of what he's, what's happening for him with the ADHD, but it just, to me, seems like it's others may go and train and, and leave no stone unturned and, and to give everything they can be but it just might not be and, – and others might say, well, geez, I've had a lot of stuff ups and I'm never going to put be in a position where the club's
0: going to have to apologize for me again or in that kind of thing. But he, he wants to live his life the way he wants to live it. Yeah, the, the my reaction to seeing the video wasn't – I didn't really think much of it at the time. When With the bit with the woman, you go, oh, that's not a great look. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't really think he did – inherently anything wrong by going away and going on a little trip in their in their mid-season break most people I've spoken to about this and albeit you know I'm the same age as Jordan Togoe a lot of the people I've spoken to friends and colleagues are all similar age to me and him and um uh yeah the 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 bit with the woman is is you know, whether she feels like she's been disrespected or not and she's she's come out and said that doesn't feel that anything bad has happened but regardless the it's it's not you know no one's consenting to that in a public space so that's bad um if anything it's just tone deaf especially after what's happened to him pre-season with with the New York trip to go away overseas again and to and to to party you, you know do you, you do a risk having video footage taken it's it's tone deaf but there's nothing inherently wrong with what he's done so i don't really have a massive issue with it apart from the bit about um with the with the woman. And that's not even confirmed that it's that, that's him either. Well they haven't disputed that it is, so they haven't confirmed it. But if if that wasn't him, that
2: would have been a really yeah. definitive part of the press conference today. So we've I've been saying that the whole way along. If it's him, if it's him, if it's him, they're not disputing that it is. So um
0: what's next? Number two, uh, should be Jared Waitley. Yes. We have learnt through Mick Gleeson that negotiations between club and player were so advanced that a lucrative contract had been offered. The club needed to withdraw that once the Bali incident became public. I think part of that would be procedural and legal rather than a dramatic action that hints at the end. I would expect Collingwood will make an offer to Dagoe in the not-too-distant future, and I suspect that it will be a little altered from what had been there over the weekend. So, Jared Waitley's comments today on, uh, on uh, the contract. Uh, do you agree that the removing or the, the taking off of the tabling of the contract uh, was simply procedural and just uh, sort of an image thing and that Collingwood will end up, yes, re-offering him a contract? Swipe right if you think they will.
2: Uh, I'm swiping right that they'll offer him a contract. Yep. It, uh, based on the fact that they're not suspending him. Um, they're not really fining him. It's a suspended fine. Um, there actually isn't really any. There's there's no punishment, and I, and and the AFL have ticked that off. I think that's missed the mark, but that's not what this is about. This swapping left or right. So I'm swapping right on it. They absolutely will be offering a contract, but it'll be, I don't know. And it's and it's sometimes a little bit. Um, is it is it the, is it a bit crass to to be. Speculating about money, but I would say it's probably gonna be shy of if it's the eight hundred thousand reported, I reckon knock two hundred off it. I reckon that I reckon it's gonna be this is what we're gonna give you. I reckon it'll be about six, six fifty. And I probably would say with at, incentives, at, with with at, heavily incentivized and there'll be strict conditions on behavioural stuff as well. And if you're Jordan to go at this point, you just take that.
0: You don't complain. Absolutely. You, just, you just take it. Absolutely. Um my next one, I don't have audio for this, but I did hear Jared this morning say Collingwood are in a crisis. Do you agree with that? Hasn't been a great day. I don't think they're in a crisis. Well, they've gone from... They've being... had, that Last year alone was worse for Collingwood. or whenever it, Last year or the year before? year before, I think it was, was worse for them. This is not... Well, last year, actually, with the Do Better reports. The Jack can, Inovan you can, you can and lump, Isaac
2: Quaynor or video didn't help today. So they've had to make two apologies today regarding how their players are deemed to be... Um, how their players are talking about and interacting with women. Mm. So it's a little similar. To, so if those things are very separate things, but they've had to be apologised for on the same day. Um, you've had to release two apologies in the one day. One in a day is never good. Two's far worse. And then it, as it piles on top of other things that have happened over the last couple of years. So... Is crisis the word I'd use? It certainly hasn't been a good day. Certainly hasn't been a, a good day in any way, shape, or form. So
0: it's not a crisis? It's just a bad day. Not a crisis. If a, a crisis would be like if a club is about to be brought to its knees almost, I don't think two young blokes posting a video which. Is actually a trend which goes around oh. on TikTok. It's that's not if that brings a club to its knees, then that, no. But yeah, that's, not what, saying, that's in, not what
2: he was saying either.
0: Then you are in a crisis. But, but, but again, an, we I don't, I don't know.
2: See, I I don't know when in arguing with that. I'd need to be very sure. Like I don't know who Jared's speaking to behind the scenes, so I don't know if Colin would have had a ton of sponsors ring up and say, "What the hell's going on down there? We don't stand for this." Um, they do a lot of support in and around the homeless, the work that they do with the Pies Nest. They've got women's charities that they're heavily involved in and and, and dedicate a lot of their time to off-field. So I don't know. I don't know that it's not true um, if it's just because he might have information that we don't.
0: Um, so I'm, I'm a bit on the fence on that one, I reckon. Uh, number three... Uh, there might be some audio there of Damien Hardwick speaking about...
2: Why don't we do that one after the break? We'll all come right. back, do that one straight
0: after the break. No uh, this is the Sporting Capital,
2: SEN.
5: You're listening to the Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN.
2: Uh, we're playing a bit of footy Tinder before Michael Whiting, afl.com.au, joins us. We'll go down memory lane, find out the last time that all top eight teams... Uh, played another top eight team. How many times it's happened in the AFL era? Jordan Canales, where are we going to next with Footy Tinder? Let's go to
0: Tasmania and hear what uh, Hutchie's thoughts were on Footy Classified last night.
5: Quick one.
3: Uh, Why do they even get a vote? I understand they have an opinion. That's fair.
2: But why mm. do they get a vote? Why well, are we... The sceptics would say that um, is yep. the AFL setting it up to fail? Yep. I don't believe it. I'm I'm confident that Gillan McLaughlin wants this to work, even though I think yep. there are two deals, a 19th team and a relocated or joint venture team. But I I, I can't understand why he's consulting so that's heavily. A,
0: that's a structural flaw in the
2: with in the With KWS and the Gold Coast, it didn't happen. It was just yeah. put to the presidents in a meeting.
0: and That's how it should be, shouldn't it? You're the uh, commissioner, the commissioner paid to do yeah. a job. Yeah, they, do your job. Uh, it's a flaw in the system. They're talking about the club presidents there. Should the club presidents have a say, have a vote on whether Tasmania gets a team in the AFL or not? Super
2: like. Super like on that from Hutchie. You're clearly seeing self-interest and nest feathering and worrying about own backyards rather than legacy, greater good of the game, its future moving forward, saving the code in a, in a traditional football state. And the the, the club's are answerable to members. Well, they're supposed to be. Mm. So I'm curious, and I think Jerry Waitley's asked his question as well. Have you canvassed every member? Have you put out a ballot to them to say, are you for or against, and then we will speak on behalf of you? I don't think that's been done. Mm. And I'm very much with Lloydy. Why? Oh, why? And that's how it should be done as it was with the Suns and the Giants. This is what we're doing. You can give us your thoughts and ideas and have a, have a say, you can, or you can give us your thoughts on it, but at the end of the day, the decision will be ours because we are the, the keepers of the game, the stewards of the game. We're here not just to protect the game now, but to make it, to, to, to evolve the game. And what we do now has to echo through. We're not just thinking of the here and now, we're thinking of the future and setting this game up to be as great as it can be.
0: I I I think less the the less we hear from club presidents on this the better. Two quick ones to finish, both of them on fields. Uh, was Shy Bolton taunting Sam Doherty? Good theatre for the game.
2: Oh yeah, swap right on that. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I understand Richmond and Damien Hardwick have their standards. Yeah, humble and that, hungry. That's that's they, fine. Yep, but good theatre. I like it. And the last one is uh, Are the Suns a team we now want to watch? Swap right on that too. I called them on the weekend, and yes, they were
2: playing Adelaide, fourth or fifth. Uh, got the fourth or fifth worst defence in the comp, Adelaide. But they, for the first time that I can remember, I was able to describe them as looking dangerous. Mm. The, that small forward line that they've got up, got set up with, with Ainsworth and Rankin, and then Jeffrey, the two keys in Casbolt and um, Chole And geez, wait till they get King back. Yeah, they they are. They they're actually worth the watch. The Suns. Good hustle, Sammy. Thank you, mate. Uh, that's footy Tinder. You can swap left or right. Give us your thoughts on that. Uh, Michael Whiting to join us after this. You're listening to the Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Uh, Michael Whiting from afl.com.au to join me in just a moment. When was the last time and how many times have all top eight teams played against another top eight teams in a home and away round. So we'll go down memory lane with Michael Whiting in just a moment. Uh, But John's on the road, who's been wanting to call in. Hello, John.
6: Uh, Thank you. Yeah, look, just on... um, I'm a a Collingwood fan, first off the mark, but I didn't like the way um, the boys um, from on the couch sort of presented the the story last night. They were pretty hard on to go, and so they should be. But it went from being a bit of a, a rat-bag act and, and, and for young guys watching uh, on the way he sort of conducted Hitler himself it certainly isn't the way to go and how um, it would be hard then uh, for Colin to sort of keep him on the list and, and based on his actions he should be let go. Uh, soon after that it, it turned very quickly when uh, Ralphie and, uh, and Riewoldt, um suggested that, you know, as a second chance or perhaps a third chance in relation to the Gully, how good it would be for a club like St Kilda to actually take somebody like that on, try and reform the individual, and obviously, you know, put some work in there, because it would be, they're in a window of opportunity, and perhaps you would help them win the flag. Now, um, if that's setting an example, and if you're talking about setting example for but perhaps uh, a younger talented footballer who is a bit of a rat bag and says, you know what, if I can play my craft, I get recruited by a club, well, if I do play up and that club doesn't want me, perhaps losing a two-year contract with one club will get me a, a more lucrative five-year contract than another one. So I just think it, it, it sort of all turned, with it was vested interest, anger towards the go and Collingwood. Turn to opportunity for St Kilda, and how it would help them win the flag, regardless of the uh, of his background. So I, I was a yep. little bit uncomfortable. So.
2: Sure, John, and I appreciate you um, giving us the blow by blow of it and your take on it. I haven't, w- I didn't watch it. Uh, obviously, I was here last night and haven't chan- haven't had a chance to catch up on it. Um, there might, and I, so I can't speak on those guys' behalf. So I really haven't seen it to get the tone of it. Um, from what you're saying, I hear what you're talking about. There may be a line of thinking there, John, that that it's gone as far as it can go at Collingwood. That whatever they've been trying to do with you know the, the patience that they've had and and the you know the the support they've given um, for the for the for the incidents that have occurred along the way, maybe what they're saying is it's come to an end. It, th- their view is that maybe you cut your losses if you're Collingwood, but maybe they just don't think that Jordan Goey should be thrown on the scrap heap and, and never to be playing again. Maybe they're just suggesting that he might get, it might give him the wake up call that he needs again. I don't know. Cause I didn't see it, it might just be that they're talking about the wake up call that, that he could get from that with Collingwood saying, Hey, let's just go our separate ways. And then at another club, he might go, well, geez, I, I just can't afford for that to happen again. So, it might be a way to, to refocus yourself and that in another club, in another environment. And after a bit of a kick up the pants like that, that, that it, uh, that it might be beneficial for him as well. I don't know that because I didn't hear it, but that's a possibility, John. So I don't think they. it doesn't sound like they were deliberately trying to contradict themselves. It just might mean that, you know, what's not working at Collingwood might work somewhere else. Who knows? Oh, uh, but I will go and check it out. Hey, um, we can't wait for this round of footy. All top eight teams playing another top eight team. It starts on Thursday night with the Lions uh, at the MCG against the D. So it is 2v1 at the MCG on Thursday. You've got Saturday Carlton in fifth hosting Freo in third at Marvel. You've got Geelong fourth, Richmond sixth at the MCG. Then you've got Sydney in seventh at home to St Kilda in eighth. And then there's some other teams that are in and around the mark who have got big games as well against tough opponents. So um, I was actually driving home last night and I thought, I might have to go hit up the Swamp Thing to find out how many times this has happened. And then lo and behold, there's Michael Whiting, who's a very good man uh, at afl.com.au and a very, very good writer and journalist who's done exactly that. He's gone and researched the whole bloody thing for us. So I thought, well, let's get fish on. Uh, Michael, hello to you.
7: Hey, Sam, how are you?
2: Mate, good to chat to you again.
7: Yeah, likewise, mate. How are you going?
2: I'm really good. So talk us through this. This is, I, I, I can't remember the last time I was this excited about a home and away round of footy. And that's the general feeling of everybody that texts in, um, especially given that most of our conversations this week haven't been able to be about footy. Um, so now that there is great footy this weekend, when's the last time this has happened and how many times has it happened?
7: So good isn't it mate look i've gotta I'd love to take credit and pretend that I trawled back through the last thirty years myself, but we've got to give credit to swamp here actually <laughs> he he did the research for us and he's a, he's a ripper a, isn't he he's a he's a guru, and I just took it a step further, so it's happened five times in the a f l era or well, this will be the fifth time, sorry, in the a f l era It's happened four times previously, so pretty rare. Hasn't happened for almost 10 years. I think the last time was round 17, 2012 was the last time every team in the top eight played another team in the top eight. So, yeah, pretty rare. Can't wait for this weekend. I think the combination of the great games and the fact we've had the three three, um, weeks of bye rounds, I guess you'd call it, which sort of takes a little sting out of the season. So I think we're all excited to see footy again and to have the draw fall the way it has. Super exciting, mate. Cannot wait for it.
2: So, the four previous occasions when they've all squared off um, round 1195, um, there was round 7 in 08, you mentioned round 17 in 2012, and memorable matches all ensued. But there was a year that you wanted to focus on specifically, mm-hmm. and I'm really glad you did because the, there was there's a couple of games in that that ended up being very, very telling towards what unfolded at the pointy end of the season. Where do you want to start?
7: Oh, it was a a bit of a humdinger, wasn't it, to 1998? And I think doubly so because it was so late in the season, round 21, like it was, it really set up the September to come. And you can't go past what ended up being um, the grand final, which was Adelaide hosting North Melbourne in round 21, which sort of five or six later ended up being the grand final. So guess that's as good a place as any to start isn't it? i love going onto youtube and just jogging the memory to see what happened and in that game at footy park it was uh wayne carey who kicked five from, from 28 possessions who helped get north over the line but guess adelaide had the last laugh didn't they five or six weeks later by getting the chocolates under malcolm blight but terrific game of footy that one and a 13 point win for the for the ruse, so yeah, that's probably as good a place as any to start, mate. I'd reckon not
8: it, not a bad little.
2: It is, there. especially since you've got one v or two v one happening at the MCG on Thursday mm. night. Um, that was my tip at the start of the year for the grand finalists, Melbourne mm. uh, and Brisbane. Unfortunately, there, I mean, and you never really do, but you're never meeting uh, at full strength. So no Max Gorn for for Melbourne. Um, we're waiting to see if Dane Zorko actually you might be able to tell us. this. Did Dane Zorko pass a fitness test today? Are you expecting him to play this week?
7: So he trained today. They're understandably keeping it under wraps. So I think we'll find a bit more we'll find out a bit more tomorrow. Obviously they're giving him every chance they can. He's had a few niggles. i if I was a betting man, which I've got to be honest I'm not <laughs> and I'm not reporting anything I know hundred percent here, but if I was betting, I'd say they're they would lean to be being cautious with him but I think we'll know a bit more tomorrow. Sometimes it's happy. You tend to learn a bit more the day after you train. He got through a session today though so interesting to see how he pulls up but he has been a bit niggly this year, Dane um, Zorko so I don't think I'll take any chances with him though.
2: Alright, what are your recollections other than Wayne Carey um, of round 21, 1998 um, North Melbourne v Adelaide?
7: Yeah, well that's I mean, I Carey's the one that does it for me. Like, I can't go par. I mean, when I was flicking back through those four matches, I was just enamored with what he did <laughs> in that match because I think like most people in that I mean, he was a guy that kind of dominated that era. So um, seeing him kick five on the road at Footy Park um, to get his team over the line probably dominated that match for me. Another terrific matchup from that round was St Kilda and West Coast played at Waverley. Saints had been on a bit of a slide. They'd been going... The first half of the year had been kind of them. They'd lost four or five in a row, um, were playing West Coast at Waverley and Robert Harvey, who went on to win the Brownlow that year, had a really big match. He kicked a goal in the fourth quarter and um, helped the Saints sort of break their um, losing streak and make sure that they played footy in September. Um, So I love the... When I went back and had a look at that, it was a little bit of Robert Harvey against Ben Cousins, a young Ben Cousins. So, love going back and having a look at that as well. They both had 35 that day, but the Saints got over the line and um, did enough to make sure they played footy in September. So, that was they'll, they'll put a couple of standouts in that round in 1998.
2: And they were all close games too, weren't they? I mean, that was an eight-point win. That was an yep. eight-point win to St Kilda on that day. And that was a year after they'd lost, obviously, the grand final to to Adelaide, and and I for the I can remember that whole year thinking, because I used to buy into the got to lose one to win one. So I was just of the belief that that St Kilda will get back there. St Kilda will get back there.
7: It's what you think, isn't it? But as we've probably learned over history of the game, there's just no guarantee when you get there once. We've seen it with, you know, GWS through their strong era. They've made one grand final and haven't got back since, and. You tend to think with young teams that if they make one, you know you've got to win one to you've got to lose one to win one, and you're going to get back there again. But it's it's no um, it's no guarantee. The Saints got back and played finals that year, but as we know, they never they never went the whole way. So, um, yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was 1998, mate.
2: Because <laughs> they they lost the the qualifying, I remember by two points to to Sydney, and I was stunned. I thought they, they surely they'll. Surely it'll be their year, surely. Because my I remember my best mate was a St Kilda fan. Uh, he still is a St Kilda fan uh, and still is my best mate. But um, what's that at his house? And I, and I don't know what he... I mean, he was... I don't know... I don't remember what he was more upset about than when they lost the granny or they just didn't get back there uh, the year after.
7: Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because, yeah, there's just an assumption that once you get there, you're going to get back. And we're probably... I mean... I cover Brisbane quite closely up here and there's like an assumption that they will make a decider one day. They've been to finals three years in a row and you just think that if you knock on the door, you're going to get back. But they're terribly difficult to make. Um, Obviously in 98, like St Kilda were humming halfway through the season. They hit a bit of a roadblock late and they had to win that game, you know, in round 21 against West Coast that year, which was difficult. (laughs) West Coast were going, okay. They had to do that just to get back into the finals. And as you said, lost a qualifying final. So... It doesn't always go to script, and I think we'll see this weekend um, four crucial matches. Now, we've still got eight or nine rounds to go, so it's not like wins and losses define seasons and are catastrophic if you lose. But it can set up the back half of your season. A lot of these teams are coming off buys, and it can start setting the tone. And we know how close that ladder is. You, obviously, we've got the top eight teams playing each other, but we've got 11, and t- 11 playing 12 with Port Adelaide and Gold Coast and... Uh, I think you know- um the Western Bulldogs playing hawthorne ten versus thirty like they're very close fixtures, and um we haven't always been blessed when we've had these top eight um teams all playing each other over history, those four seasons where they've bumped into each other they haven't always been close games aside from that nineteen ninety eight season but um, it, it can help set up the back half of your year, what we see this weekend.
2: Um, do you buy into, in all your time covering footy, speaking to Michael Whiting from afl.com.au, um, this is just going to be uh, the sixth time, was it fifth or sixth, Michael, that all top eight teams fifth, are playing another... Fifth time. Fifth time that all top eight teams are playing another top eight team in a, in a home and away round. Do you buy into the idea that maybe the... There's a, there's an old saying that uh, with comedians or, or or tipsters, are you going to bring the A-grade material? Uh, are you going to bring give us your A-set? If you've got a tipster that you might get a few horse racing tips off, am I getting your A-set or your B-set? And sometimes comedians, when they do a, you know, they're just going around doing the circuit, are you, are you giving me your best material or stuff that you're just working on? So uh, is the idea that there's some coaches that will still keep a little bit of powder dry? There was thoughts that maybe Ross Lyon was a little bit like that, when it started to get later in the season uh, and and coming up against another contender would you show all of what you had
7: yeah i think it's different strokes for different folks really sound like i think of um, you look at each case individually i think melbourne would be pretty keen to win they're obviously without you know their captain and one of the most influential players in the comp in max gorn but they've lost three in a row they'll be pretty keen to win i don't think they'll be hiding a ton same token i think brisbane won't be hiding much either. I don't think Chris Fagan's trying to keep too much up his sleeve at this stage. Brisbane wants to win on the MCG. They haven't done it for eight years. The last time the club won there was 2014. and Some of that's lack of opportunity. They haven't played there too often, but I don't think they've got a lot to hide. Whereas I heard Chris Scott talking on Fox footy last night, talking about, and not wanting to use it as an excuse, but talking about trying to train a little bit extra hard, harder through this period, because they've been to September so many times they they know what gets them right and where they fall fallen short. So they they might go in a little bit. I think his term was heavy, you know, through the next couple of weeks. So I think depending on your previous experiences and what you're trying to achieve at the end of the year and what you think the best outcome is for you, you might see some different setups going into this weekend. Every team wants to win, though. You know, there's a chance that you will face these teams in September and we know that teams like any little psychological edge they can get. So I think generally they'll be trying to take their own material.
2: Just going back to um, when when this has happened before, it didn't really tell us a whole heap, did it? When, when, the, when the two teams mm. met it didn't really dictate or define what was to come later on. I mean, the Bulldogs made that prelim of course and um, it's not one that they like getting brought up, what happened in the 1998 prelim. Um, after what had happened the year before, in the nineteen ninety seven prelim, but they got flogged by um, Adelaide and um, Essendon. Um, in that year, had a had a good win, but it, it didn't really do anything and tell us anything. So, how much do we take out of the results that come from this week, or should we just stop trying to find, you know, that the the, the answers to questions that aren't answerable, and just enjoy that this is going to be a great round of footy.
7: That's the way I look at it, Sam. Well, I think you just enjoy it for what it is. Like I had a look back at those previous four rounds where it's happened out of curiosity, almost as a walk down memory lane. Let's let's have a look at Gary Ablett in nineteen ninety five or Wayne Carey in nineteen ninety eight or Robert Harvey in nineteen ninety eight. For me it was just a great excuse to go and have a look or have a look down memory lane and use it as a um to show what had happened previously when top eight teams had all run into each other. But as for this year, How often do we get to finals and look back to round 14 or 15? We we don't look back that often. (laughs) We're looking back at the previous three or four weeks. So we might occasionally look back at when the teams met earlier in the year, but we're more influenced by recent form, what's happened in the two or three weeks running into the final. So for me, it's more of a, let's see where these teams are at, take it with a grain of salt, but let's just enjoy the footy. We've got four great games this weekend. Um, we'll learn a little bit about each team, but it won't instruct us as to where they are in terms of what will happen at the end of September.
2: Unless a coach does something that unlocks something that we previously didn't re- didn't know, um, then... Yep. Then I, I think, there yeah, you're probably right that we're, it's probably not going to have a that too many light bulb moments in it, but hopefully it's going to be very, very uh, entertaining. And as we're seeing, coaches, you know, back then were able to flip the script when it came to finals, uh, especially Malcolm Blight when it came to North Melbourne. Um, mm. And I'm sure that, and, and in this day and age, with coaches being and their coaching staff being so tactically minded and sound. Um, they're going to be looking forward to what they can learn, and then what they can learn about themselves, just as much as they're looking forward to what they can learn about the opposition. So let's get, let's you and I put our plan a flag in the ground now, and 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 do a tip for these. So Melbourne, Brisbane, MCG, Thursday night.
7: Oh, I, I think Brisbane.
2: Me too. I
7: mean, I I might be a little. Um... I don't know if bias is the right word. I cover no. them a lot closer, obviously. I just think it's a great opportunity for Brisbane without Max Gorn. I mean, even if Brisbane win, we might not learn a ton from it. But you talk about things that might be instructional late in the year. I think seeing um, Brisbane's three tall forwards Danaher, McStay and Danaher, Mick Hipwood, I'm really fascinated to see how they go against a Melbourne team that'll have May coming back with yep. a point to prove. And Lever, and Lever and Petty. yeah. I'm fascinated by that matchup, and 100%. that might teach us something for later in the year. So, yeah, I'll just lean towards Brisbane. Uh,
2: of the other ones, Carlton and Frio.
7: Oh, mate, I, I, I love Fremantle. I'm so taken by Fremantle. Um, uh, the poor old Blues, their defensive end of the ground. I think it might just be a, a bridge too far. Um, yeah. Against uh, the only thing Fremantle that might help them is.
2: Obviously, the rain helped them not concede as many marks inside 50 from the weight of inside 50s that Richmond put on them. Um, but Fremantle aren't as potent in the key forward stakes, so that might not hamper them as much. But I still think Freo get the win. Just quickly, because we're running out of time here, Fish, uh, what about Cats and Tigers, MCG?
7: Mate, p- potentially a match of the round. Mate, yep. I'm, I'm going to Tigers. I think they're in great form. I think they're showing some real stuff that we've seen in their premiership years, at forward half pressure. I'm just leaning to the Tigers.
2: Cats for me. Uh, swans and Saints?
7: Swans. I've got this, um, I don't know. It's not a It's not a fascination with them. I've got maybe an over-the-top <laughs> opinion of them. I really rate the Swans. And I yeah. keep getting surprised when they stumble. So
2: me too, I mate. The swans, but uh, not with much confidence. <laughs> no, so we've only got one different there. Hey, thanks so much for that. Memory lane is always great uh, fun. Thanks so much for uh, helping us out with it. Anytime, mate. Michael Whiting from AFL.com.au. will wrap up the hour after this. You're
5: listening to the Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN.
2: Our Fourth one day between Sri Lanka and Australia. Australia won the toss, elected to bowl. Three for 37, Sri Lanka um, into the 12th over. Uh, Dick Weller stumped Carey bowled Maxwell for one. Uh, Patharm Nusankar. Uh, Pathum caught Carey, bold March for 13. Uh, Kusil Mendes, bold Pat Cummins for 14. De Silva is six not out. And Asalanka is three not out. Uh, Cummins figures one for three off his three overs. So the run rate at the moment, 3.26. So the Aussies uh, looking well on top in that uh, fourth one day international in Sri Lanka. Um, the Australia eight game is happening at the moment. Um, Sri Lanka A uh, in the tea break. Um, it's the second four-day match. First day, Sri Lanka five for 201. Steckerty has three out of the five wickets. Hardy and Boland are uh, the other wicket takers for Australia A. Uh, future stars up next. Stick around myself and pickers. Matt Rendell, our special guest, Carnival Time.
3: North Melbourne now with Horn Francis. Here he is. The young
2: man.
5: The gun goes to Yugal Hagen, who puts all his skill on display.
2: Pick one of the NAB AFL draft
5: on the sporting capital. Welcome to Future Stars.
2: Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. Welcome to Future Stars. All thanks to Bravo Management, Sam Hargraves, Liam Pickering. With you as uh, we look to explain how the next generation get draft ready by helping you get draft ready. Um, Pickers, hello.
9: Hello, Sammy, and hello to everyone listening. It's, uh, it's getting to that time of the year, middle of the year, which is cold, wet, Melbourne, sort of everywhere, cold, wet. Yeah, it's sort of Perth, really, although it's even been a bit wet. But this means that this time of the year means carnival time, which means all the juniors are coming through. And then, of course, what it means in a couple of weeks, it means the under 16s, and that's in a warmer climate. That's in, the, that's in the Gold Coast.
2: Oh, you'd be looking forward to getting up to that one, eh? My you? word, I will
9: be. <laughs> yes, so anyway, we're, yeah. we're freezing cold here and wet and heavy grounds, but. Yeah, there's been some good footy getting played at the moment by these young fellas.
2: Yeah, so it's one of the, the it's one of the uh, the dates on the calendar we had circled for the under eighteen championships to start, and you know going all the way back to the Teal Cup and beyond. I mean, it's really sort of separated uh, the best from the best, and we get a glimpse of uh, who these uh, future stars might be, putting them up against the very best around the country. And it started uh, on the weekend with the South Australia taking on the Allies a thirty seven point win to South Australia to kick off the carnival. Um, and a man who knows, I reckon, South Australian talent, also Australian talent, better than most. He's been a long-time scout, recruiter, list manager for many clubs uh, in his AFL career, uh-huh. former All-Australian ruckman, by the way, yeah, the West Torrens favourite son, um, or one of them. Matt Rendell, hello, mate. G'day,
10: sir Pickers.
2: How are you going, fellas?
9: We're going well, um, big fella. Uh, did you get a look at the game on the weekend, SA? And, uh, I did watch it. Yeah, a little bit classy, weren't they? Yeah, I did watch it.
10: Um, look it was a it was at my old stamping ground, Theboden Oval, although the commentator was calling it the Barton. <laughs> at, <laughs> at, was. At, until half time and then uh, changed to Thurden. Uh, it is Thurden, so um that nah, it was good to see them playing back there and uh, just a good size ground. I forgot how, how good a size it was, you know, there was a good five to t- you know maybe eight metres between the between the square and the fifty metre line, which means it's a big bigger ground, so uh, look, it was really windy, blowing particularly to the right hand of the screen, so it made it very difficult um, for the standard of play, but, oh, gee, I, did, I didn't like the standard, that high pickers and, and Sam. I thought it was a little bit disappointing. Um, first time I've seen a lot of these plays, especially the uh, Allies blokes, I haven't seen them, but I was particularly interested to watch a few of the South Australians. So Harry Lemmy, uh, touted as being... Uh, you know, top five in this draft, two hundred plus centimetre key forward, more so than a ruck. Um well, I thought he got beaten pretty comprehensively now. I think it was by because I didn't write anything down. It was either uh it was a Sydney Swans Academy player, Will Edwards or uh who have we else uh, or uh, Christian Webster. I think it was Christian Webster. Don't owe me to that. Uh big fella, left footer really composed in defence. I thought he did a really good job job on Lemmy. So I'll keep my eye on uh, that full-back. uh, Looks like Sydney Swans have got a good one coming through their system.
9: Yeah, okay. And what about some of the... They've got a lot of tools. I mean, there's a lot of tools out of South Australia this year. Look at Isaac Keeler. Yeah. Harry Barnett's another one they talk about. So there's some tall boys coming out of SA.
10: Well, um, Keeler played. He looked... Good now he's a he's a 198 Aboriginal uh, kid who plays ruck forward for North Adelaide. He did some really good things. He's got some serious talent. Uh, I'd like to see him play with a bit more intensity, but uh, that'll probably come. But um, you know, I've got no doubt he'll get picked in the draft. He's got some, some got some real skills for a, a 198er. Uh, there's a lot to work with there. And uh, was it Harry Barnett? You said it was Harry, uh, Harry,
9: big. Harry Barnett's another one that's been highly rated. Yeah.
10: Yeah, well, they missed with, um, with uh, the COVID protocol. Oh, they had about no, no. four yep. out. Yep. And and Tom Scully was the other one. Now, Tom Scully's another 200-plus centimetre from West Adelaide. I don't know what they're doing at West Adelaide. <laughs> They've got about four, which is un- highly unusual for West Adelaide. Uh, Tom Scully's from my old, um, where I used to live, in Lockleys. Uh, so he's with West Adelaide. So he's been playing AD. Lemmy's been playing Lee and Barnett. And the like have been playing uh, in the 18s as well. So they are a really tall team. Uh are great at North. North, I think, are undefeated. Um, so a couple, Billy Dowling was the main midfielder. I thought he was a bit disappointing. Billy Dowdy, Dowling on the weekend, uh, a fella who didn't play. So the, the bottom ages um, didn't play. So except for one, Jack Deline, who yep. looked pretty good, South Adelaide. Uh, he's a good little, uh, well, I wouldn't call him small forward But he's a good little forward midfield top player Luke Harvey So brother of um, of uh, Mitch Harvey Who was drafted by Port LA to Rucks for North Yeah, right um, I've watched him play a few times Redhead like his brother uh, Off half back, left footer He's a really good player I think he's going to go high in the draft next year And uh, you just told me how to pronounce his name more, Mawar Mo- 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 M-Moyer, M-O-I-R, Ashton, another bottom major. He's a star, this bloke. He's talented. Left he. or right foot, you cannot tell which foot he's natural on. He is a gun with both. Uh and a few players who played really well here, Archie Lovelock. Jeez, I hope he goes well. That's a great name for a footballer, Archie Lovelock. <laughs> he kicked a few goals. He's a late birthday uh pickers I don't know if you know much about him, 19th to the 12th, which is always a good sign. He was pretty good. Um, another kid for next year too is Tertoli, he didn't get in the team so they they only played I think one over, uh, one bottom major, Alex Holt's another one for next year, you know a few of these blokes but uh, it looks like it's very much the talks from South Australia, Pickers and Sam, who are going to be really influential in the draft later in the year.
2: Uh, One of the greatest aspects to our game Matty as you know is father-son, so the legacy of family through footy Um, is just an out-and-out feature and one of the things that makes our game so brilliant. And for South Australian, Mm. their their father-son prospect, Max Michelaney, whose um, father played 200 Sandford games for Norwood, which makes him Mm. eligible to join the Crows in this year's uh, draft as a a father-son. How did you see his game? 15 touches thereabouts, a couple of marks. He got in their best players for South Australia.
10: Well, I thought he was one of the standouts. Uh, love his uh, real skinny kid. He'd be, uh, he'd be 195-ish maybe. I haven't got any heights on there on my seat here, but um, looked really composed, handy with the ball in hand. Now, he's, his dad had to play 200 before 1990, so uh, <laughs> I've gone, God, how old was he when he had Max? Uh, <laughs> so I looked it up, he's 66, so he was 48 <laughs> when, he had, afterthought. when he had Max, and so this is an absolute bonus for the Crows. So I'll tell you a little story for the for the putters out there who don't know. So originally when the Crows came in, you had to play 250 games of sandful to qualify for father-son, um, which put, uh, at the time, uh, two and a half games, two and a half sandful games for every one b f l game. It was. <laughs> <laughs> so... So, unfortunately for the Crows, uh, Kane and Chad Corns' dad, Graham Corns, played two forty-six, I reckon. (laughs) So they would have both been Crows players, bar for four games. And here's another kicker for the Crows: Um, they changed it because they blewed. So obviously the Crows and Port blewed about the two fifty, so they changed it to two hundred. And Bryce Gibbs' dad. Um eludes oh, me what his first name is. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Played at one ninety five. <laughs> so Bryce Gibbs could have been a crow bar for five more games as well. Gee, I but Dax Michael Lenny. his dad played two sixteen, Jimmy Michelani, I remember him, played against him. Um, so he played two sixteen, so he qualified. So and he looks a real prospect for me. Uh, I'm hearing could be a top fifteen pick.
9: There you go. So that's one to keep an eye on for the Crows fans. What about New South Wales? I see uh, young, uh, young Fletcher's playing. It's uh, Adrian Fletcher's boys yeah. going all right too.
10: He's um, he's a bit quicker than his dad, <laughs> which is not hard. Most people would have been. Uh, I don't think he kicks on his left as good as his dad. His dad was a great was left and scoreful. right foot kick. But um Yeah, so uh, yeah, we'll watch out for him. So obviously he's tied to... Uh, Brisbane, yeah. isn't he? Brisbane, yeah, Brisbane. I think, the one, yeah. Yeah, well, he's in the academy as well as uh, father son. Yeah, um, he played with a few clubs, but he, I don't think he played a hundred with anyone bar Brisbane. Well, I think it's because he, um, he, he
9: put. He played for Brisbane and he played for Brisbane and the Bears. I think so that got him over a hundred games at, yeah. at the one. Yeah, club, okay. Uh, yes, he's definitely tied to Brisbane. Hey, uh, tell me, next year.
10: Where was Lindsay Gilby from? Lindsay Gilby. Uh, you know? Because there was a Jason Gilbert who looked quite good. He's at Bendigo Pioneers. Ooh, that's... Yeah, he's from Reynolds. So that's just over the side of the... Just over the... I wonder if he's got a younger son. He'd be... No, that'd be 20 years yeah, different, Yeah, Lindsay, Lindsay wasn't... No, maybe not quite.
2: Lindsay was Eastern Rangers in his, in his under-18s. Oh,
10: OK. So I just wondered if there was a relation there, but it uh, doesn't look like it. It is good to see them... Good to see the young...
9: Yeah, you know, the sons coming through, of course.
10: Yeah, look, look, there's a good assault, and this I'm uh, just having a look. Um, there's three, four, five, six Tazzy Devils on the list. Uh, I don't know much about them, obviously, but uh, Northern Territory have got have got four here, so they're tied, obviously, to um, uh, Gold Coast Suns. The the one who looked most likely there was Mankara, yep. um, Anthony Mankara. So he plays at West Adelaide as well. Uh, he probably goes to school one of the colleges down there. Yep. Uh, but he's um, tied to uh, Gold Coast Sun. So we'll keep an eye on him as Gold Coast would definitely. I mean, aren't they having some luck with their Northern Territory players? You they know, Joel, are. Jeffrey, uh, Joel Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Jeffrey looks a star. Roses. Oh, Yeah, looks a nice player. Yeah, he looks and, a very uh, nice player. I'm, I'm missing one. There's another one, and I can't remember off the top of my head, uh, from Northern Territory. I reckon they've got three beauties. So, uh, so let's w- look at Mankara.
2: Yep. So, Matty, that that was um, with those the Allies players, and you're mentioning the yep. Suns Academy, and it's good to hear that there's at least six Tassie players in that makeup. Um, just given what we're discussing mm. at the moment with. Um, the future of Tasmanian football and whether or not they, they get a side. So to have six players uh, in the mix there is a good thing. But the academies are a fascinating one, and I'd love to get your view on it, which we'll do on the other side of this break. Uh, you're listening to Future Stars, all thanks to Bravo Management, uh, long-time recruiter, um, a talent identifier and scout, and list manager Matt Rendell, our special guest, will be back on the other side of this with more Matty Rendell. We're talking through the first game and then what's to come of the Under-18 Championships.
5: You're listening to Future Stars on the Sporting Capital.
2: Uh, you certainly are, Matt Rendell, our special guest this evening, long-time scout, recruiter and list manager. Uh, Sam Hargraves, Liam Pickering with you. We've been speaking through the first game of the Under-18 Carnival. Um, South Australia with a 37-point win over the uh, over the Allies. And we're just going through some of the, the brighter stars that shone on the day, Matty, just in terms of we were speaking before about some of the the, the NT Academy players that are uh, obviously that's Gold Coast Suns territory now and you mentioned that there was some good Tassie prospects uh, in the Allies set up as well. The Academies have be- become such a crucial um, breeding ground Ooh. for talent for for the Northern States. So we know that Brisbane have had success, Gold Coast have had success, but the Swans and the Giants have had real success with their academies. And, and Sydney Swans academy captain Angus Anderson had a brilliant game by all reports. So I just wanted to know how you viewed him. 25 possessions, six tackles uh, and seven clearances. And and the, the Giants had one of their academy members, Harry Rouston, who kicked three goals from 24 touches and had eight marks, two up forward. How did you see both of those lads?
10: Oh, look, it was hard to... I was trying to watch mainly the South Australians because I had a handle on them. So, but, I,
2: you know, I did notice...
10: Uh, the fullback, because he was playing on one of the highly touted ones in Lemmy. So I I didn't really notice him that much, uh, to tell the truth. But uh, the academies, uh, so just so people don't probably realise why they brought the academies in, for for the one reason that when these teams came in, um, the the northern states, they didn't have any father-sons. So all the... The, you know, the old VFL teams had access to father-sons and the South Australians and WA teams had access to father-sons through the Central and waffle, but these northern states didn't have access to father-sons at all. So they brought in the academies to give them a level playing field. And um, well, we know there's been a bit of angst from the, from the uh, southern states because some of these kids coming through the academies have been uh, outstanding players, of course, uh, Green and Hopper at, uh, at, at Gold Coast Suns and um, they started to produce a lot of players. Um, I don't know if people remember that back in 2000 or it might have been 2006, 11 players got picked out of Queensland in the draft pickers. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, it was a long uh, time ago. Probably yep. was the highest one. Yeah, it was a long time ago and it's been sort of nothing since. But I got a feeling there's going to be more and more coming out of there Hipwood, Harris, um, Andrews—good numbers from Gold Coast, but yeah, the, yeah. So um, the good thing you know, about that, though, Matty, is that
2: keep, mm. the good thing about that, though, is and, and and what I heard a great example of how effective it's being, and you know, with what the Suns are doing up there, the academy as well, and having a clearly defined pathway for local kids up there. I heard a bloke jump on the radio the other day and say that he's uh, involved with Aspley um, up there in, in yep. Queensland, and they've got six hundred juniors. 600 juniors.
10: Um, That's brilliant. Aspley's, Aspley's going crazy. Yep. And, and, you know, the Swans have been the standouts probably in this area. But, I mean, that from day Don, I'm trying to think of the, the supporter who tips all the money into... Um, Basil Sellers? You know his name. Oh. Yeah, Basil Sellers into their academies. Put millions, I think, into it. You know, the players like Heaney Mills have, and Blakey have come through from 12-year-olds. And that's what they do in these academies. They come through as 12-year-olds all the way through. They're ready to go. And um, and the other factor, it was around father-sons, but it was also they try to stop their players getting raided by the Southern. So out of the draft, all the draftees are coming from Victoria. We know there's 60% plus uh, that get picked. So, you know, any good ones, the Victorian teams are trying to get them back straight away after two years. So if you gotta, if you can get quite a few of your team that are that are local, they'll want to stay where they are. They don't want to leave and go down to Melbourne. They're very happy playing in Sydney and that. I know a few have left, but it's really for opportunity more than anything. So you know, it's just it's to stop the raiding of uh, of their clubs, GWS in particular, uh, Gold Coast Suns. Those two teams are <coughs> getting raided by the Melbourne clubs, so they can build their own uh, local team really.
9: You uh, we're talking about no. father-son's academies, mm. how important they all are. I mean, mm. one player who is going to be very, very high on the on the draft board come draft night is uh, Marcus Ashcross, boy, who's father-son, obviously, to the Lions. Oh, yeah. Uh, he had a reasonable game on the weekend in the NAB League. Just had the 51 possessions. So he's go- going along okay. Said, Bit to work on. Who did they play, uh, Pickers? Uh, I reckon they played the Jets, I reckon. Uh, okay, so... Offhand. So
10: I went to the, the uh, schoolboys under-15s in Launceston and, uh, back uh, 19, 2019. So he was playing in that. And look, not all the best kids go and play in it because it's got no affiliation with the AFL and you have to pay to get there yourself or your family. And so it's, it's quite expensive, um, especially if it's not played at home. Uh my son played in it. it was at Down Geelong which was which Andy. was gold.
4: Andy. Um
10: so there was about twenty one kids got picked out of that draft, um out of that um, South Australian team that year. Well I'm sorry, out of that common, um the schoolboys. but uh I just I just wrote down straight away. I said, This black's a standout. And it was a standout of the carnival. Uh Will Ascroft and I said oh, I'd be very surprised if he's not number one. So uh, by all accounts, he's still going well, tracking well. Obviously, he's had 51 of the weekend. The other bloke that they keep saying is probably equivalent is, is it Wardlaw, George Wardlaw, um, yeah, from
9: the Oakley Chargers. Very, very, very talented player. Yeah,
10: very. Yeah. So yeah, um, it just depends what will happen. I, I would be very surprised if he doesn't go to the Brisbane Lions, you know, especially where the Eagles and North are at the moment. <laughs> uh if he's got to go, I think he'd take the lines there right in the window to, be, be perfect you know, to win for a them. flag over the next five five years, wouldn't he, really? Absolutely. Um, and, and um, go, you know, probably he slots right into a line spot maybe in a year or two, doesn't he? Yeah, mm.
4: it's
9: exactly where yeah. he's there. he fits.
2: Matty, before Ooh. we get you to give us a little preview about who we should be keeping an eye on, because the Allies play Vic Metro um, this weekend on Saturday. Ooh. One I wanted to ask you about from a South Australian point of view um, is because he's playing in your neck of the woods or your old neck of the woods with Woodville, Wes Torrance. Um, pure inside mid in Adam D'Aloia. Um, gun at stoppages, we're told. Yeah, I liked play this the weekend. Who, who do you liken him to and, and how did you rate him?
10: Oh, look, he's just a busy... I don't
2: know. He's a, he's a busy midfielder. He can find it.
10: He uh, probably needs a little bit improvement in his kicking, but he gets it pretty easy. Um, he's probably got a little bit more class than Sam Berry, but he's that in and under type and running type. Um, yeah, I would have thought looking at him that someone would take him as a late pick. I think you know what you're going to... or not a late pick, maybe, you know, second or third round. You know what you're going to get with him. Um, the other interesting one in this game I'll be watching is Alwyn Davies. So I saw him yes. play as a 15-year-old. At Geelong, the two brothers play. Their father-son... Essendon. Uh Essendon, obviously. Yep. Um and or well, both of them look like stars. So uh, the other one I can't think of his name, he's he's dropped off, but Alwyn's playing. Yep. So I'll be interested to see how he's improved. Is he going well? Yeah he's going you well. Know, yeah, he's he's going
9: well, Matty. He's um I know that the bombers are really excited about being able to potentially bring those boys on in the next year and year or two.
10: Yeah. Um is uh uh, who is the other one? Uh, Harry Sheezel, there, same. Oh, Sheezel, yeah, can ask pretty damn good player. at Sandy
2: Dragon. Because you like Massimo yeah, no, D'Ambrosio, seen... Maddie, and they played on each other in the in the <laughs> futures game, and you're a big Massimo fan. Oh, did that? Yeah.
10: How did that go? Highlights for both.
2: How did apparently. Go? How yeah, they go on each other? They, they apparently went very well on it. They both had moments, but uh, Harry Sheezel, for those who don't know, is touted as that one of the excitement players in, in the draft. What can you tell us about him? For Vic Metro,
10: I can't tell you anything. I haven't seen him play at all. I just Great. know that
2: uh, he's been mentioned. But I
10: did—I have seen a name down the bottom here, Nicholas McLarty. Yeah. So we drafted his brother. You did. Um, unfortunately, he—he he played. Now I saw him play at uh, in the schoolboys as well. He was there, boy, oh, big boy, big boy, <laughs> Nicholas. Uh, so I hope he goes well. Gets a go and goes well. Uh, Sam, I think he's playing at Williams Town now. But you know that. He just couldn't get over. You know, he was he was deaf, um, Sam, but still played. Not completely deaf, but still played really good footy. Uh, lovely fella, and uh, hopefully his, his brother goes well. Uh, I'm just looking down the list for other players who uh nate caddy would that be a brother oh, i
9: think it might be I, i'm thinking of North, Josh? northern knights kid you'd have to be some relation at least you'd think yeah, so
10: see, they're, northern, they're both northern Knights, weren't they yeah so,
9: the other northern Knights um, kids are, yeah, I, don't,
10: I don't know enough about them i'll be watching uh, the the metro players for the first time really uh, bar um a well, uh, bar a few of them i saw as 15 year olds
2: well, Matty, uh, we'll we'll have to check back in with you about it. We had a text come through last night when you were having a yarn to me uh, that wanted you to keep an eye out for one of the Calder Cannons midfielders in Paul Pascu, Pascu He's a good yeah, player. Um, they just continue to churn out.
9: He's a very good player.
2: Top quality inside mids, don't they? The Calder Cannons. So, um,
10: um, yep. Okay, I got him here. Calder Cannons. Yep. Oak Park. Yep.
2: Beautiful. Well, Matty, thanks so much, mate. Really appreciate you giving us an update and and some names to. To keep a lookout for after the first game of the Under 18s Carnival, South Australia thirty-seven point win over the Allies and some standout performers in and amongst both sides. We'll chat to you soon.
9: Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Pickers. Dan, thanks, Matty. Appreciate the
2: time. Uh, Matt Rendell been in it for a long time, Pickers. There's not much, he would have forgotten more about recruiting and talent identification than than most of us will ever know.
9: Yeah, absolutely. He's the he's the main man during trade radio as well. Absolutely, he's a very big uh, part of our team. It puts together three weeks of trade radio just because to, just to, it needs three weeks. <laughs> it breaks,
2: it breaks every single download podcast record. I think it there does, is it.
9: everything you can think of. It's that well listened to, but it's an exciting time for these young players. And as I said, in, in a couple of weeks' time, the 16s they were on holidays. They go up to Gold Coast, have a bit of fun mm. up there, play at Metricon, play at Southport. That's fun for those guys coming through as well.
2: And what we want you to do for us as well is if you know a player that we should know more about, then text it through 0433 98 Tell us who they are, tell us where they're playing, and we will um, do our best to report back to you on their progress and and take it upon ourselves to find out a little bit more. Pickers until next week.
9: We'll see you then, old mate.
2: Uh, This is Future Stars. All thanks to Bravo Management, part of the Sporting Capital on SEN. Without bias, our dedicated Lawn Bowl show up next.
5: Welcome to Without Bias,
2: Apia, the go-to insurance for retirees. Call 135050. 50 Get set, go. Local legends want it. A Bowls green is just up the road. Search Bowls Club near me. Uh, welcome to Without Bias, our dedicated Lawn Bowls show, part of the Sporting Capital on SEM where we dive into the wonderful world of Lawn Bowls and two very Very esteemed guest on the program this evening. I'm talking about Commonwealth Games gold medalists. I'm talking about world champions. I'm talking about two of the best uh, that have ever represented Australia as Jackaroos. And they'll be doing so again next month when Australia heads over to Birmingham to compete in the 2022 Commonwealth Games. So Natasha Van Eldik's going to join me in the second segment of the show. Lindsay Clark is standing by, ready to roll. Just a quick score in the fourth one-day international between Sri Lanka and Australia. Sri Lanka, sent in by the Aussies, are three for 87 into the 20th over. So... Not really moving at a rapid rate of knots. We're here to talk about Lawn Bowls and we do it all for Bowls Australia. Local legends wanted, so it's Bowls Clubs near me. And for Apia, proudly supporting Bowls Australia. So what a lead up to these comm games Uh, our Jackaroos have got. The Australian Open happening day 11. Um, We're through day 11 at the Australian Open up on the Gold Coast. And Lindsay Clark has been good enough uh, to jump on the line to have a yarn to us on Without Bias. Lindsay, Hello. Hi
11: Sam, how are you going? I'm
2: <laughs> Sorry all th- about
11: the background noise. I've got two two little kids still awake here. <laughs> the more
2: noise, the better, I reckon. Um <laughs> the All the better for speaking to you. Um I I um I'm always blown away when I just re-familiarise myself with your history in lawn bowls and what you've been <laughs> able to achieve. 411 times you've represented your country. You've got five gold medals at world championships. Um, you've got a gold medal um, in the 2006 Com Games. 2014 uh, in Glasgow. There isn't much you haven't achieved in this sport. How are you feeling heading into another? games is it all sunk in that you're going to do it all again?
11: <laughs> Look, I, kind of, but not really. I think, um, as you just mentioned, uh, as we headed into this chat, I'm, I'm in the middle of the Australian Open campaign at the moment, so um, it's only been a couple of weeks ago they announced our Australian team for the Commonwealth Games, so I soaked that up. Uh, we played the Trans-Tasman and had a great series together. And I think uh, at the end of this week, after the Australian Open's finish it'll really feel a bit more real, I think. But, um, yeah, it's just exciting. This is my fourth games, And I think, you know, it was just as exciting hearing my name announced in this team as it was the first time around. So, yeah, really special and really excited uh, to be heading over to the UK in just over two weeks' time.
2: What, what do you put that down to, Lindsay, uh, when you've achieved all that you have in the sport, that it still feels the same hearing it read out for your fourth com Games as it did for your first?
11: <laughs> I think it's just the nature of our sport being, um, you know, I, I, it, no, no um, selection it's ever guaranteed, I guess, and everybody works so hard to reach, um, you know, their ultimate goal, which is obviously playing Commonwealth Games. Um, it's the biggest thing we can do in our sport. So um, I guess, I don't know, I just, I know how much... Work has gone into it. I know how much sacrifice my family um, has given me, obviously, to to be able to do what I do. Still now, with a, a three and a six year old, my husband's amazing, and mum's a lot of support. My club, and um, I, I guess it means a bit more now as a as a mum as well. This is my first Commonwealth Games as a mum in Glasgow. It was just me and my husband, so we were we were child free and a bit bit freer, I guess. But um, yeah, this time around it's extra special, and yeah, my six year old knows exactly what's happening and. Um, yeah, it's just different. It's a different excitement, but um, yeah, just as as exciting as the first time. Two
2: thousand and six, the the pairs gold medal with Karen Murphy. Your memories and recollections. Oh
11: yes, look, I mean, it's I can't believe it's been that long. How many years ago is that? That's um, my maths. It's it's a bit late, so it's a lot of years ago. Uh, but yeah, two thousand and six will go down um, as one of my favourite bowling career highlights. Um, that I've ever had to be honest so yeah Commonwealth Games as I mentioned it's it's the highest honour in our sport to win gold it was my first ever Commonwealth Games alongside my idol I never thought I'd play with her let alone be best mates with her now sort of 20 years down the track and uh, yeah it was just an, an, an epic event And the opening ceremony at the MCG there was 90,000 people there we walked in front of them uh, like I, it just feels like yesterday but it was so long ago but yeah it was a really special time.
2: And I, I imagine you're feeling like it's a bit of a good luck charm for you to have her within the coaching setup now as she's assistant coach <laughs> of the Jackaroo. So I'll be right there with you uh, on the plane heading over.
11: Yeah, look, I'm I'm super stoked Cam is there as a coach. And when she retired, it was very emotional. Uh, she's been with me for my nearly 20 years in the Australian team. And, you know, I at the time I thought that, That's kind of the end, but I'm so lucky and we're, yeah, really grateful that we've been able to secure her services as a coach. She knows the game inside out. Um, She knows how to play over there in the UK. She knows her opposition. Uh, She's a super good motivator, I think, Um, and she just knows what it's like to be out there. So, yeah, we're really lucky and and definitely grateful. We've got Kaza on our side, along with our other great coaches as well.
2: Yeah, so her and Gary Willis um, are really starting to make a lot of they're still really starting to prioritise analytics in bowls, Lindsay. And I'm, I'd love to get mm. your take on this because it's something that it, it's I'm not not that bowls has been slow to get into, but it, it's now for the, probably the first time being really seriously looked at in the lead up, especially to international events and, and being used as a way now more and more to try and find statistical information that can help you get an edge. How have you seen the introduction of analytics into lawn bowls?
11: Yeah, it's been pretty cool actually the last couple of years or so. Um I guess the straight we've been quite dominant on the international stage for a long time, but the other countries are they're really sort of catching up to where we're at, so we need to to find another edge like you mentioned and being able to have like a, a stats program and um be able to reflect on our own performances along with our opposition. You know, most other sports people sit down and analyze their game or the opposition, you know, footy or basketball whatever it is. So um, yeah, it just makes sense to me. So we're able to, um, you know, find out what works and also find out what we need to work on to get better. Um, and, you know, we we don't worry too much generally about what our opposition is doing, but if there's any little um, consistencies that we can sort of prey on, then we'll maybe look into that as well. But, I mean, any little advantage or little one percenters, that's what's going to get us get us over the line when, um, you know, it's a super tight battle and, and um, you know, we might just need that little edge to... To go, yeah, you know what, you've hit your forehand, you know, seven times out of ten on this exact ring, go for it, and and you, yeah, so it's I mean, it's yeah, just another little a little bit of um, ammo in our pocket.
2: How, is there anything that analytics has taught you about your game that you weren't aware of?
11: Um, no, not really. Probably, <laughs> I, I play if if I'm just leading, which I have been doing in our Australian team or playing singles. I just like to play uh, a lot of forehand, so I just play mm. forehand round the clock most times. Just, just because I feel I find like a pretty good rhythm um, by doing that, so I it sort of come out before the coaches sorry i've got my son here but
3: um
11: sorry before the coaches like before we had that chat um they perhaps didn't know that to start with uh so they were like oh Lindsay, do you not like your back end like do we need to work on that uh but yeah no it's just uh yeah familiarizing ourselves with that's something i like to do um not necessarily because i favor it but just because i get a good rhythm so um yeah nothing out of the ordinary as yet but it's something that's um, evolving and it's current and you know perhaps middle of the game something might occur especially in the UK where the greens are diff- different they can be quite challenging that they're able to pick up that data mid-game and let us know straight away.
2: Uh, looking forward to seeing especially in the hunt now to, to achieve the first gold medal in the Northern Hemisphere it hasn't been done uh, by an Australian yet. Hopefully this is the, the com games that it can happen. A bit closer to home, speaking to Lindsay Clark, Birmingham bound, Jackaroo, one of our best ever. Um, you're at the Australian Open at the moment. How have you found the tournament? You're out of the singles and the pairs, but you're still alive in the fours and you've got a very, very good team uh, in and around you. Beck Van Ash, Sam Ferguson and, and Kelsey Cottrell. Um, how have you found the event so far?
11: Yeah, I love the Australian Open, Sam. I've had a lot of success there, both yes. when it was in Victoria and you know, the last six or seven years that it's been up here on the Gold Coast. Uh, yeah, just found out in the pairs today on the last bowl, which was a bit heartbreaking, got a bit stiff there, but you know that's the way it goes. And uh, made the last eight of the singles, which was pretty cool for me. I'm not normally a singles player. And then, yeah, down to the semifinal of the fours. So I just, you know, there's such a buzz around the Australian Open. There's so many competitors um, you know, winning is great, but just, you know, seeing everyone around supporting, mm. uh, you know, in, in the marquee tent, buying new shirts and measures and all the new gear and uh, really looking forward to the televised matches on Thursday and Friday and being involved with some of the hosting of that as well. Uh, but yeah, there's just a great vibe. Like it's just really is a, like a bowls bonanza, bowls festival. And, um, you know, even even the bowlers that have partners that aren't bowlers are loving the, the atmosphere and you, know, if you if you get knocked out, it's probably a positive sometimes because then you can go and enjoy the the great things that the Gold Coast has to offer in terms of beaches and the rainforest or theme parks or shopping centres. So, yeah, it's a win-win, really. It's awesome.
2: Well, when you're doing the broadcast, give my man Jack Heverin a hug from me. Um, Got to let you go, <laughs> Lindsay. Um Nine Australian Open titles in four disciplines. I can only imagine what a tenth might mean to you in the semis of the fours. And um, good luck for the rest of the Australian Open. And I know uh, that you'll do us all proud over at the Com Games next month.
11: Oh, thanks, Sam. Very much appreciate. We love the support, and um, yeah, thanks so much. We'll be doing our very best for the mighty Aussies.
2: Got no doubt about that, Lindsay Clark. Four hundred and eleven caps for Australia. Heading over to her uh, fourth. Com games, look out for Lindsay Clark uh, leading the fours uh, over there. Local legends wanted a bowls green is just up the road, so it's bowls clubs near me. And uh, without biases for AP, the go-to insurance for retirees, call thirteen fifty fifty from one great to another. Tash van Eldick, uh, another Birmingham bound jackaroo, also alive at the uh, Australian Open in the fours. Will be our next guest on without bias. This
8: is without bias. Apia, the go-to insurance for retirees. Call 135050. Get set, go. Local legends
2: wanted. A bowls green is just up the road. Search bowls club near me. Uh, It was great to chat to Lindsay Clark a little bit earlier on Without Bias, our dedicated Lawn Bowl show on SEN, Local Legends Wanted Search Bowls Clubs near me. You can check that chat out on the podcast page, sen.com.au. Of course, Without Bias, thanks to Apia proudly supporting Bowls Australia. From one Jackaroos great to another. uh, Natasha Van Eldick has won five World Outdoor Championship gold medals, two Commonwealth Games gold medals. She's the reigning gold medalist in the fours and the triples has represented Australia on 334 occasions and she has gained selection for her fourth Commonwealth games. And she's joining us on the line. Uh, Natasha, uh, Natasha, congratulations. Um, it, how does it feel to be going to your fourth com games?
12: Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, um it's exciting. Um, it's an understatement um, to say that, you know, to think that I'm going to my fourth Commonwealth games, at, you know, at the young age of 31. Um, but, you know, if somebody had said to me, um, you know, you could represent Australia at one, I would have taken it. So, yeah, it's very exciting.
2: You're the reigning champion, as I mentioned, or reigning gold medalist in the triples and the fours. Is it a, a, a hunted a hunted type thing? How are you feeling with the target on your back heading in?
12: Look, if you're a gold medalist, you always have a target on your back. But um, being Australian... Um, you know, the rest of the countries are out to get you at the best of times, So (laughs) we're definitely got a massive target on our backs. Um, but you know, that, that adds to the determination to perform over there. And I think, you know, for myself, I'm looking forward to it and I strive, um, you know, when I've got a big target on my back.
2: You're teaming up with Lindsay Clark, who we just had on before, um, and Beck Van Asch as well in the triples. And then it's the three of you and Christina Kristic in the, in, the, in the fours. That's a very, very good um, foursome, very, very good threesome. Um, do you feel like you've got every element there with, with those ladies and that's a, a, the right team to be taking in to, a, to try and get that elusive Northern Hemisphere gold?
12: Absolutely. You know, um, the gold medal over in the Northern Hemisphere, you know, hasn't been done before by an Australian team. Um, So it's definitely, definitely a goal of ours. And, you know, with the three girls in the fours and the other two girls in the triples, you know, I definitely think that the combinations are the right combinations to take over there to perform. Um, And I guess, you know, if we can all hit our straps at the same time, then I think that gold medal will be ours.
2: Speaking of Natasha van Eldik uh, on without bias for right at care uh, right at home um, tash the that elusive northern hemisphere gold how big a part of the narrative has it been uh, for you guys heading over there is it is it something that uh, the coaches are tapping into whether it be uh, uh, Gary Willis or is this what you' is this all part of I suppose a, a bigger yeah how big a part is it playing in in the in the narrative around the build up for you guys
12: Look, it's always there um it's it's been mentioned um you know in the lead up to it but it's not the be all and end all um you know as i said before we've just got to go over there do what we do best um but uh, yeah it has been mentioned um and i guess you could, you can take it either way and we've decided to take it as a positive um And we're just going to go over there, do our best. Um, You know, if we happen to win a gold, then, you know, it's obviously history um, for Australia. And I suppose everyone goes to a Commonwealth Games with a gold medal as their dream. And um, if it can be done over in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, where it's never been done before, then that's even
2: better. Australian Open underway uh, at the moment, Tash. Unfortunately, out of the singles and the pairs, but still very much alive in the fours. and, and, And similar to what I was saying to... Um Lindsay, a, a little earlier, that the team that uh, you, you've, you're rolling in with, uh, Jamie Lee Walsnope, J- Genevieve Delves and Dawn Heyman, uh, very good line-up there. How have you found the event so far?
12: Look, you know, to be back on the Gold Coast is fantastic and to have the, uh, the Australian Open back in full swing is awesome. Um, and, you know, with this team that I've got in the fours, you know, we've definitely got our work cut out for us with... Um, you know, coming up against the defending champions tomorrow. But we're all, you know, great players in our own right. And, you know, if we can all just go in there, get them closer than the opposition, then I'm sure we may come away with a win.
2: You've got a brilliant record at the Australian Open. I don't think we've got enough time to go through just how many gold medals you've won there. But uh, as I look through the list last year in in the singles... Uh, you've had 2019 gold in the singles as well, 2016, uh, and, and the list goes on, 2015 in the fours. What would another one mean to you?
12: Yeah, you know, I've had a lot of success in the singles here at the AO, um, but, you know, those team events, you know, they, they don't come very often. Um, so to come away with a win in the fours or even just to make the the final in the fours would be amazing with these, you know, three great teammates that I've got, Um you know, and to go through, you know, I guess COVID and the struggles that we've all had and um as I said, just to come away with a win um uh, would be an amazing feeling. Um but as I said, you know, we've got our work cut out for us tomorrow, um, coming up against a, a very solid team. Um so we'll just have to see what happens on the day.
2: Speaking of, as I said, Lindsay, before just saying it, there is just something that feel, is feeling a little bit more, even more special about the Australian Open this year. Have you felt that? And you mentioned COVID and then there's a com Games just around the corner. Do you think that's all playing a part in the the, the atmosphere and the vibe that uh, you guys are able to experience uh, during this Australian Open?
12: Yeah, the um, I guess, you know, with the record amount of entries that we've had for the AO and, you know, the weather's been absolutely phenomenal. So, everyone's everyone's willing to come on holidays and then if they get to play a game of bowls whilst they're on holidays, then they, they think it's Christmas, really. So um, you can't get much better up here. The vibe's fantastic um, and, you know, even though the weather's been, you know, unreal to us, um, you know, the bowls has been fantastic as well. So um, it's, it's going to be a spectacular um, event, Tomorrow, um, where all the finals are being played at um, Helensvale and then the big ones at Broadbeach in the coming days.
2: Uh, Really appreciate you giving us some time. I'll let you go and rest up for all of that and what's to come uh, in the next couple of days of the Australian Open, but then uh, the job to do uh, in Birmingham. Enjoy it. Um, I know you'll do us all proud. Thanks so much for joining us on Without Bias.
12: Thanks for having me.
2: Uh, Tash Van Eldick there, Birmingham bound, uh, heading to her fourth Com Games, looking for her third Commonwealth Games gold medal, the reigning Pairs and Fours champion, uh, and a pleasure to have her on without bias. For right at home, the official naming rights partner of the Australian Jackaroos, and don't forget local legends wanted a Bowls Greeners just up the road. Search Bowls Clubs near me, and thanks to APA, the go-to insurance for retirees, 1350-50, get, set, go. Hey, um, there's no global game this week. So you've got me for another hour. So the phone lines open. One three hundred seven three six seven three six Sporting Capital after this.
5: Sporting Capital with Sam
2: Hargraves on SEN. Well, we've got another hour to spend together, which we didn't know that we were spending together, but I'm bloody glad we are. Um, we're going to delve a little deeper into the biggest breaking story of the day in regards to Lauren Jackson, and we'll talk sports media with Sam Duncan. Uh, yes, indeed. Looking forward to spending an hour with you on the Sporting Capital. No global game. Uh, their season done and dusted, but plenty that we can talk about. And the number, of course, to do so on the Harcourt's open line, 1300 736 736. You could call 0433 98 1116 uh, The tempur Text Tempur mattress like no other. Um, I want to also go through there is a plethora of top-line players that are set to come back at certain points between now and at the end of the year. For the teams that are still in finals contention, and there are 12. The top 12 will have a say, or the the, the top eight is going to be made up by the teams currently sitting 1 to 12, and there are some big-name players coming back. So we might even get you to rate their importance to each side and, and in terms of how big a difference they will make to said side. Um, before we do that, though, uh, every week we're joined uh, by the man who teaches all and sundry at Holmes Glen, all things sports media. The Mid-Year Intake is on now at Holmes Glen. Sam Duncan uh, joins us. Hello, mate.
8: G'day, Sam. Good to be with you.
2: Great to be with you, too. Um, let's start with buy rounds. Um, actually, let's start with TikTok. So, without going through the machinations of... Uh without going through the uh, – we've been over the – let me set this up properly as I'm just getting a, a revised little bit bits and pieces sent through here. Let's start again. So the decision today from uh, – the apology today from two Collingwood players in Jack Innovan and Isaac Quaynor for getting involved in a TikTok um, game that has gone viral, the places where they took it. Um, weren't in keeping with um, Collingwood's set of values, especially when it comes to respect uh, towards women. Um, some of the jokes that they went with there um, didn't really seem in keeping with probably how that game started, and they've apologised for that since. For those who have got no idea what this is all about, can you explain what this TikTok thing was and, and, and what that that was all about?
8: Yeah, well, I mean TikTok, which is a you know a social media platform that generally uh, an increasingly younger demographic are gravitating towards. Sam, I don't know whether you've got a TikTok account. Um, no, I, and if I, I, I ever do, do I if I
2: ever do, I, I yeah. Anyway, <laughs>
8: <laughs> well, I'm in the same boat, but nevertheless, there was a trend on TikTok where. Uh, people would rate something based on new information. So something that might have been a 10, but keep this in mind. Or we rated this a 7, but here's some additional information for you to um, to, to consider. And so the, the boys from Collingwood, as you quite rightly noted, got caught up in this game and, and filmed themselves or recorded themselves playing the game by rating women basically uh and rating them uh and then giving the additional information for the other one to in response to with their rating given whatever that additional information was so that's how it came to light now you 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 know when looking at this in the context of the week collingwood has had um it was certainly a sensitive issue it was amplified Uh, And really, um, you know, Collingwood would have needed to assess this based on their values and what they deemed appropriate, um, which you've covered on your show. And they ultimately ended up apologising. So, I mean, these are the pitfalls of social media, though, uh, particularly recording yourself, particularly posting these things. It's a continual education process in many respects. Across the board, respect to women, one of them, but also social media use and the pitfalls of that platform.
2: So, Sam, with that, and when it comes to clubs and now players and players looking to produce more and more of their own content, so I've, I don't think there was, um, I don't think there was sinister intent or, or, or any. I don't think there was. I don't think that started out uh, as something that was meant to to go to the places that it did for those two. Uh, But I think that when I was mentioned earlier, that Collingwood do a lot of space, a lot of charity work in the homeless space and certainly in the women's space as well. Um, And in what they are wanting to be as a club in terms of how they talk about women and how uh, women are are supposed to be made to feel welcome and respected within their organization. This didn't hit the mark. I don't think they meant it to go there, but it did. And when they were trying to one up them, each other and and, and trying to, to go for cheap laughs and, so taking that part out of it when it comes to clubs and then their players like our work here has a social media policy that we need to adhere to when it comes to our own social media accounts as well how how well have sporting organizations and and therefore how it gets reported on from media organizations how well are sporting organizations in your mind um sorting that out when it comes to their players are they ahead of the trends that are happening with players being their own content creators now. Um, you know, if, a, if two comedians were having that chat, knowing that they're comedians, would that have made it any different to two football players? Because the comedian, you know, Dwayne was trying to speak about that today and make that comparison. Are, are clubs ahead of the curve on this, or is there still a bit of catching up to do? Well, I
8: think they're doing a pretty good job because in the grand scheme of things, there are, you know, hundreds of players. You know, there's 40-plus players on, on team lists. There's 18 um, uh, teams across the competition. What tends to happen is a couple of times a year, a few examples get highlighted. So I think overall, most players are doing a good job, and I think the clubs are doing a good job in educating them. But what they're fundamentally doing is educating them, not just on social media, but behaviour. And, you know, one of the most important things a club has is their value statement. And we get our students to do it all the time when they're doing a marketing plan or, or a public relations plan. Write down your value statement because your value statement is going to dictate how you act, your approach to your work, your approach to your life, um, and, and that will form your culture. And when you transgress from your values, that's when we've got issues because you even use your values to go and get sponsors, You use your values to pitch to members, to fans, come and watch us. So it all matters. And when you transgress your values, whether it's, it's on social media or just in the physical world and it's captured on social media for the world to see, therefore, you're going to have problems. So I, I guess social media is one issue, but it's the behaviour. It's what you're doing on social media that is the biggest issue. Um, and I think when it comes to social media, there's that secondary element. You, you mentioned it wasn't um, intentionally sinister, and I agree with you. But then there's the, OK, what's the perception of this? Yeah, You know, what have we just done? And that is very much something... Young people learn in life yeah. as and, much as social media,
2: and that will be the way that Collingwood will handle this. It'll be another learning experience to say you might not have meant for this to be how it's been perceived and taken, but you need to be aware um, of that. That you need to be aware of what we're about. You need to be aware of what we're you know what we're trying to create here, and you need to be aware that despite best intentions, people could be quite upset by what you ha- have joked about in what you thought was just a harmless you know, internet or social media fad. So it'll be a learning experience. It won't be a hanging experience for them. It'll be a learning experience for them at the ages of 19 and, and 22. Um, the buy rounds, Sam. So three weeks of buy rounds. Is that, is that a, an effective way to make sure you maintain your momentum through an AFL season or any sporting organisation's season? Um, is it, it's, have they stretched that out too thin? Have they got it just right? What effect does that have on keeping eyes on your product, um, in the way that the AFL has set up those three buy rounds, from a media perspective?
8: Well, it certainly does, uh, you know, maintain consistency and continuity. You know, there's a, you know, particularly in the big prime time spots where people, uh, where, where broadcasters want to maximise their audience. So there's a Friday night game, Saturday night game. Um, last week um, and the week before a Thursday night game. So it maintains continuity in that perspective. Um, However, what it also does is it highlights the bad games a little more, I think, Um, because in a normal round when there's nine games, you might have three games on a Sunday and one might be a dud or one might be between two bottom teams with small crowds and, and a general lack of atmosphere. But never fear, in an hour there's another one or we can flick it over and see a bigger and better match. Match. So, what my observations of it were that, was that, you know, on occasion, it, it, a standalone game might not have been what we would call a premium match, and everything about it sort of lacked that premium feel to it. And I'm thinking perhaps, you know, a couple of Sundays ago, the, the, the kangaroos and the giants as a one out. Uh, And therefore the extension of that was it, it did have me thinking, you know, when we went through the nineties and even the early two thousands, when there was suggestions, of the whole, um, I, I guess, uh, philosophy was that 12 teams or thereabouts would be the ideal figure. And that'd be six games a week. Um, And there's different ways of looking at that too. Is that enough? Or on the flip side, would every game be that little bit better because all the talent would be concentrated into 12 teams? The gap between first on the ladder ladder and 12 could literally be just two or three games. And so there was so much riding on each game that each game rated well. And although there might be you know, seventy less games a season. The value of each game might exponentially rise to the point where broadcasting rights could increase. We'll never know because they don't look like going back to uh, twelve.
2: No, I did the exercise uh, a few 14, weeks ago. That if 19... you were if you were starting from scratch, how many teams would you actually have? Given that we started from a Victorian-based competition into a national, if you would start from national straight away, how many teams would you actually have? Um, and and it. And people, yeah. it, it still upset people, the thought that the, the team might yeah. not exist. So we'll tread very carefully around that. Um, Sam Duncan is with us, um, our, our sports media expert from Holmes Glen Institute. Um, the, the fixturing of the fixture. So the AFL uh, pretty much now believe that they'll revert back to the fixed fixture for next year for the most part, as opposed to the rolling fixture, which was supposed to be about putting the best-performed teams into the best time slots, having scheduling flexibility. It started during COVID, and they thought it was a good idea moving forward. Uh, A lot of fans didn't like it because they um, weren't able to plan ahead and get the best possible rates on flights and um, organise their leave and and accommodation and things like that, and then also scrapping the digital-only ticketing. Um, What was your view on this? Well, it just goes to show how important crowds
8: still are to the AFL and to the clubs. And then we talk about broadcast revenues being the prevailing and predominant source of revenue. 60 to 80% of all revenues from the AFL come from the media rights. But for the clubs, it's a little different. They generate a lot of their revenues from their fans through memberships, through gate receipts, through merchandise sales, which take place on game day. Uh, and furthermore, um, uh, you know, they like to engage with their fans on game day as event day. Uh, some sports have become television sports. They just accept that crowds are not going to be perhaps what they want. So they prioritise um, television and fixturing. But the AFL still does have some, some level of priority with the fans. Um, And that's why, incidentally, we don't always see the best teams on Friday nights because teams like Melbourne would probably say we don't actually want every Friday night because our fans tell us they don't want to go every Friday night. Um, so I found that really interesting, you know, and, and it does impact the television product because, you know, Sam, visually when the crowds are full, it's it's a big game. Yeah. From an atmosphere perspective, it's a big game, and the crowd give us cues. They, you know, their volume um, reinforces what we're feeling at home, and it adds to the entire product. So to be. TV broadcasters also want crowds to be maximised um, so that their product, if you like, is as, is as solid and as sound and as exciting as it possibly can be.
2: Hey, uh, last one before we let you go. We might save, because I think people have got Jordan to goey fatigue, but I'd be fascinated to see how you deconstruct that the week that we've had from a teaching point of view to your students at Holmes Glen about the, the five-day cycle of that story. So we might save that uh, till next week, but the the Thursday night decision to overturn the Jack Noon's goal after um, an unprompted we know that they review every goal, but uh, no score review was asked for. Uh, they they in their normal review of each goal, they believed it's the second time it's happened this year. It happened after a humour cluggage goal in the Lions and Saints game. Nathan Broad they thought had touched. Um, the ball, and then they released a statement saying that uh, they had their own super slow-mo, high-definition vision that we can't see but they can, uh, that it was touched in a statement from the AFL. So they ticked it off. Um, we've since heard that teams are practising jazz hands uh, when they attempt to smother. So what was your take on this, and, and, and what how does it reflect on the AFL when they're saying we've got this vision, oh, but we can't show you, and then that we're using technology that I've described as Atari-like Technology when there's PS5 out there?
8: Well, I mean, I find it confusing. I find that there's a lack of transparency, and there often is with the AFL. Oh, I think we should hear from the AFL, or more from the AFL, about a greater and broader range of things, particularly things that annoy the fans such oh, as yeah. this. I
2: haven't had one so interview it, request granted this year.
8: A hundred percent. And so the AFL understand the media cycle. They know if they say no. They know if they say nothing, then something will happen tomorrow that steals the headlines, that takes the focus away. And in a week's time, people will have forgotten about it. They also know that that took place on a Thursday night and they knew that there was a game the next night and the whole weekend of matches. And whilst it might bubble away, it certainly won't be the biggest story. And they were right. So they use silence or a lack of transparency often um, to, to weather the storm, if you like, knowing full well that the cycle will bring about a new story just in the nick of time. My attitude is, though, if there is this technology um, that the review umpire has shown us, Tell us more about it. Give us an example if you can't show us every single, um, uh, you know, uh, event or or incident as it happens. We want to see what this looks like uh, because apparently it's our game and these are decisions that we consider important. But, you know, broadly speaking, Sam, it was another example where I just didn't think the AFL was treating the fans with the respect that they deserved seemed like here's a line just believe us um, hang in there and then the story will go away It's
2: a very very common occurrence where the you treat, where they seem to treat their state major stakeholders, the fans and the broadcasters who are the ones that tip the money in, um, they treat them with a fair bit of uh, contempt so uh, it's disappointing to say the least but uh, good to see that you and I are on the same page uh, with that one um, Sam we'll speak to you next week been a pleasure,
8: Sam. Enjoy the rest of the
2: show. Sam Duncan from Holmes Glen. Uh, study sports, business, health or building and construction. Apply now. Learn more. Do more at Holmes Glen. Sam, uh, their sports media expert. The mid-year intake is on now, so you can apply now at Holmes Glen. Sean in Bendigo, Ray in Bayswater. I'll get to your calls. I know you've been waiting so patiently. We'll get to you on the other side of this ad break. I promise you that. Sporting Capital.
5: You're listening to The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEM.
2: Uh, Billy off the text. I was totally confused then. Just got in the car and thought, OMG, I can't believe I'm hearing Tim Sausage Gossage. He's talking so much sense. And then I heard it was Sam and it made perfect sense. Billy, that's not very nice. We love the sauce. We love Tim Gossage. They do sound very similar, though. Sam Duncan from Holmes Glen and Tim Gossage. They do sound a little similar. Um, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Of course, uh, to give me a bell at any time. Sri Lanka into the thirtieth over, five hundred and fifty. Just lost uh, another wicket um, a couple of overs ago. Court Maxwell bowled Marsh. Mitch Marsh has got two wickets now. Dunanjaya de Silva was out for sixty off sixty one, and then the man in Dasun Shanaka was just run out by Mitch Marsh. So. Mitch Marsh, the Bison, having a big say in this game. Sharitha Lanka is 52, not out. So a couple of quick wickets for Australia as Sri Lanka had just fought their way back into this game uh, as Australia took three early wickets uh, after they sent Sri Lanka in after winning the toss. Uh, Ray in Bayswood has been waiting really patiently um, and Sean in Bendigo is waiting as well. G'day, Ray. Hey Sam. How are you? I'm good, thank you, mate.
3: Um... As a 70-year Melbourne supporter, I'm interested in, on your thoughts on how Melbourne are going to bolster their side on Thursday night.
2: It's a great question. That is a great question. Um, so it's interesting who they'll, who they'll bring in. I mean, it, it's Captain obvious statement of the year that Max Gorn is um, probably the most significant out in the competition uh, at the moment. He's there, obviously the best ruck in the competition these days. He's also Melbourne's best forward at the minute In, a, in a, at a time when they're really struggling to kick goals. So I don't know what they've worked on over the last couple of weeks. They've had the buy Melbourne after losing three in a row, but hopefully it's about their connectivity between mid and forward. They've been called boring by a former player in, uh, or to stop being boring by Jordan Lewis. Uh, the long bombs inside 50 aren't going to work uh, you wouldn't have thought. So they're going to need to get more goals from midfields, and how they account for the three-pronged tall forward line of Brisbane is going to be fascinating. But I would expect that they'd bring have to bring in Sam Wiedemann now to give him a role, wouldn't they?
3: I would think that I'd definitely have to bring Sam Wiedemann in. I mean, it's no good trying to replace Max because, in my opinion, he's irreplaceable. 100%.
2: But...
3: Um, and apparently Magic Jack is injured.
2: He is, so Luke Jackson, big, big day for him. And with no Tom McDonald either who could have pinched it in the ruck a, a little bit. Yeah, it's, they're going to be stretched there.
3: Um, another player that I think they really need, and he doesn't for some reason doesn't seem to be getting much of a go, is Toby Bedford.
2: Yeah, he's been the medical he's, sub on several occasions. Several.
3: And every time he takes the ground, he seems to add a bit of spark forward to centre.
2: Agreed. And that's what they need at the minute. There needs to be a bit of that. Bally Fritch is having a great year, but he seems to be doing it uh, on his Pat Malone at the minute.
3: Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to see Toby in the side. There may be a reason why he's not in there. I have no idea why. But he looks the goods to me every time he comes onto the field.
2: Uh, good calls, Ray, and appreciate you holding on to make them. Sean in Bendigo, I can't move this ad break, so I promise you, you'll be first up after it. Listening
5: to the Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN.
2: Uh, 5 for Sri Lanka sent in by Australia in the 32nd over. Um, We'll keep you up to date on those scores as that game uh, unfolds. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 If you hadn't heard, the big story today is nine years after calling quits on her illustrious, one of the greatest basketball careers that we've seen. Uh, Mount Rushmore of Australian basketball, without a doubt. The GOAT, Lauren Jackson, has been named in the Opal squad. So um, she'd actually made a comeback to NBL 1 this year, the second-tier league, playing for Aubrey Rodonga, had been averaging 32 points and 11 rebounds, if you don't mind, uh, at 41 years of age, um, will be in the squad ahead of the World Championships later this year. No guarantee that she makes the final team, but what a shot in the arm... Um, for Australian basketball after what it's uh, gone through this year in light of um, the the unfolding story with Liz Cambridge. So Lauren Jackson, that is just a feel-good story, and she is going to be back. And social media blown up. So Sam Kerr loving it. Joe Ingalls loving it. Um, Steve Smith has been commenting on it. So the Australian sporting world is celebrating tonight that uh, Lauren Jackson is coming back to international basketball. Um, so that is a brilliant story. We've even been trying to uh, rustle her up ourselves to see if we can get her on for a chat, but understanding it's been a pretty big day for her. Uh, Sean's in Bendigo, who's been waiting very, very patiently. G'day, Sean.
6: G'day,
10: Thanks for taking me call, mate.
2: No, thanks for holding for so long. I'm sorry I couldn't move that ad break, uh, but thanks for holding through it.
10: No, that's all right. It's just uh, three things I want to talk about. Sure. Uh, first of all, <coughs> I'm not a
11: Collingwood
7: supporter, okay? Mm-hmm. So...
2: Just let you know that um, oh dear, uh, um, hey, we're just losing you there, Sean. I'm gonna pop you on hold, and we'll get see if Jordan can help you fix your phone line. You just dropped out on us there, um, we'll get to you in just a moment. uh a very good friend, uh the only person that I know that was there. Fifty it would be fifty-eight years ago. Now that uh, Melbourne won their last premiership before they won their most recent premiership, our very good friend of the show, Hillary in Croydon. Hello, Hillary.
13: Hello, darling. How are you? I keep forgetting when you're on.
2: Oh, look, that makes two of us. <laughs> it changes you're on it a lot. All
13: Different time. I know.
2: You? I know. Yep. Yeah, you can't set your watch to me, Hillary. I'll just I'm, I'm like a sprinkler where the time is just not quite set right. I'll pop up any old time.
13: Uh, Yeah, I've been been a member 71 years at Melbourne. You have? I'm like other chap. 71 consecutive years I've been a member.
2: That's a long time. That is a long time. I'm (laughs) old. No, you're just consistent. And
13: I agree with that last Melbourne bloke that rang up. I cannot understand why they don't leave Bedford in the side. He's fast. And he plays well. He does. And they does. bring him in and then they drop him the next week. Bring him in,
2: drop him. He's been medical sub, I think it's six times this year, Hillary. Um, actually, more than that, I think it is. But six times he's been it and hasn't actually got on the ground. But there's a couple of games, like he kicked two against Hawthorne, he kicked two against Fremantle. Eerily, in all four games that he's actually got some game time in, he's had five kicks in all of them. So you know he's good for at least five kicks, I but
13: know he's good. he kicks
2: goals as well.
13: That's right. And another thing I wanted to say, I just I cannot understand how that the goey doesn't get some weeks. Yeah, if it it was, was the first time, fair enough. Yep. How many times has he done it?
2: Yeah, I, I think a few people are, are pretty surprised by the fact, but it's almost par for the course at the moment. I mean, uh, we know that Bailey Smith got two weeks, um, but, you know, Steve May and Jake Melksham, for the actual fight that they had, didn't get any suspension at all. May got suspended. Hillary for um, drinking while under um, concussion protocol. So and the AFL ticked that off, um, and they've they've ticked off no weeks for Jordan Ngoi, uh as well for um, yeah for his incident in Bali. So I thought there'd be more than just a suspended fine. I, I I certainly agree with you there, but there really isn't any punishment for him. There's been strong statements about what they do and don't stand for. Um, And strong messages and Mark Anderson came out today and had a lot to say um, and condemned the actions. And Jordan Ngoi has put his hand up and said uh, he's got that wrong. Um, He takes full responsibility. He knows he's let the club down again. So everybody has has said all the right things. Um, But the actual sanctions themselves are, are essentially non-existent. What they have done though, Hillary, which might be the most telling thing of all, is put contract talks on hold until the end of the year. So that'll be interesting to see what unfolds there. Hey, um, have a great night.
13: They'll re-sign him, I bet you. Yeah,
2: you I mean, think it it'll be for a lot less if they do. They
13: were pouring drinks down his throat and he had a girl's breast out. You could see right, it. Yeah. It was disgraceful.
2: Yeah, well, that's the part, The uh, the grabbing of the top is the part that they've condemned the most strongly, and and that was the most serious part of it for me as well. The
13: AFL don't come in and put him out.
2: That well, they've ticked it off, Hillary. They've released a statement today saying that the, that 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 they accept what Melbourne has handed down as a penalty. Um, so they've oh, it was nowhere they've,
13: near as bad as what he was doing. What's that? Sorry, it was nowhere near as bad what Melbourne did what he was doing.
2: Uh, well, they're different incidences, um, but they're I but mean, they're both very serious.
13: How many times has he done
2: it? So there's yeah, he's got form in that area and has has had to have education in that space before, um, in the way that he interacts with women. Um, that's been he's well documented. Even
13: in those other two as well.
2: Uh, and he did also speak about the fact that he's got um that uh, he's been diagnosed with ADHD now which is not an excuse but it, oh, but it does give context but uh, and the other two have apologized as well the the two younger players um and you I, believe
13: he's got ADHD Yeah I do I, I do Hillary yeah, I yeah I,
2: I've always said that um
13: He's a rat bag
2: Well I, I understand that yeah and he would understand that there is that impression of him uh absolutely but i but i think that when people put their hand up and say this is what and and when i'm not making excuses but they're saying this is what i'm i'm i've currently uh dealing with at the time i've always said that i'd rather be i'd rather be wrong thinking the best of people i'd rather be wrong being naive than i would be right thinking the worst of them so um it doesn't excuse it but it gives you it, it, at least i've got some a little bit more understanding about the guy now um hey hillary always love chatting to you i'm sorry we've had to cut it a bit short i've got some people who've been waiting very patiently let's see if we've fixed sean's um phone line have you got you there sean uh it's just gone again Uh, we we don't have you there sorry mate i don't know what's happening with your phone Uh, normally pretty good reception in bendigo my neck of the woods um or my hometown Uh, paul's in camberwell g'day paul
4: Oh, hello. Good evening. How are you? Good, thanks,
2: mate. What have you got for me?
4: Oh, I just, I, I did actually just want to touch on Dugowie. Um I don't have a blame game. I don't follow Collingwood, and I don't know the facts, to be honest. I still don't know what's happening with sanctions and contracts or whatever. But, but they did want to change their culture, Collingwood. I know that much. And, mm. you know, potentially cost some positions within the club and um you know to get to this so called um change in culture and surely a great example to do so um i think would be um to to look at what his history is and 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 if they're thinking about making a culture change then um potentially what i'm hearing is a poor decision and that's only in my opinion but um yeah, if they really want to make a change down at Collingwood, then I think they have to get a little bit more serious with their decision-making regarding these incidents.
2: Thank you, Paul. I appreciate your, your thoughts, and I, and I think that there's a few people that would echo those sentiments, that you can see that there is a real commitment from Collingwood in, in what they want to be and who they want to be and what they want to stand for, and... Um, and the culture that they want to create, and and I absolutely take that on face value, and I applaud it all. But and 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 you tick off, you do say, well, that's that's the right call there when it comes to further uh, education uh, and counselling and all those things. But the actual penalty was essentially non-existent. Um, so even you know whether it be you know community service, um, employing that as Melbourne did, whereas you know I still think there could have been a suspension. But uh, I I like the angle of of doing community service in the spaces that these incidents are or or what was in the videos reflects so poorly in the space of um, and and is is portraying behaviours that don't meet the standards that the club is looking to set. So, yeah, a bit surprised uh, as well. Um, Nick's in Mill Park. G'day, Nick. Yeah, how you going, buddy? Good, mate.
1: Yeah, um, if, I, if it's okay if I can just talk about, obviously, just quickly the Jordan DeGolby situation, and if I can quickly just have a chat about my take on the current state of the game, is that okay? Far away. Okay, just for the Jordan DeGolby incident, since everyone's throwing their two cents in, I have no issue whatsoever. I just feel like every time I open up my Instagram on a daily basis, that's content that you kind of see all the time. So I don't know, I didn't really so see it. Uh, I'm Not footy players. Um, obviously, yeah, no, I would But like in general, you know, you know today's influencers and stuff like that. You see that, you know, as soon as I open my Instagram, that's what, like, that's what images are coming up. And which, which you particular know,
2: part, Nick? Because I, I, I've got Instagram, and I don't often see people trying to pull a, a woman's top off.
1: I, I, I get that, but I do. It's not. It's like I, I see that kind of part, and. <sighs> Like, and even sometimes, like, it's just, like, even the influencers, like the female influencers themselves are, like, are, are doing that on their, like, you know, not even having that, the, the gentleman have to do that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't know, it's just...
2: Oh, see, I Nick, get, no, I, see, I Nick, understand. that's, that's, that, that's... I, I don't mean to be rude to you, but that doesn't make it okay. So what uh, a woman I, I chooses to do herself is 100% her choice. That doesn't give a green light to any man in any occasion at any time to take it upon themselves to do what they would like to her. That is not okay, mate. That I'm sorry, I'm not. I don't. I know you don't. You, you might not have understood what you've just said there, but 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 that is not right to to, to to try and. That is the definition of what they call. I don't like the word of this either. But that's slut shaming. You know, that's 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 saying that it's your fault that this has happened because you might have dressed like this or because you might have posed in a bikini or something like that. Now she, the girl in it has said, Fine with it. Stopped it happening Poor at the time, but but overall you're talking in generalities and it's never ever an excuse to say, Well, you've posed like this, so I should be able to touch you up when I want. So I am gonna have to pull no, I, you up I, there, mate.
1: No, of course. No, I agree. That's fine. I I'm I'm agreeing with that. I just I don't know, for, for what I saw, I kind of, I feel like I, I see that kind of um, these stories being put up on Instagram, um, quite a fair bit of that whole drunk at the, you know, acting crazy and all that. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I see that quite a fair bit. Um, fair enough, it's not a celebrity or whatever it may be, but that, that's, I, okay, I'm just throwing in my two cents.
2: I didn't feel that's like okay. an issue with
4: it. And, so forth.
1: and, and just, look, 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 I didn't
2: have an issue that he went to Bali either. Uh, I didn't have an issue that he went out for a drink. I didn't have an issue that he went to a nightclub. That's up to him how he wants to spend his spare time and what it means to him to be a footballer and how much he wants to prepare. But, so there's a couple of separate issues in there. But the other part of it is, Nick, that he's an employee of, a, of an organisation and we all have standards that our employers set for us and that when we, we say we are happy to, we're, we're going to work for them, that we agree to uphold a set of standards.
1: Of course, and you know I would do anything to be in like that position of being a, yeah. an AFL athlete and do whatever it took. So no, I totally agree. That's fine. Just on on the topic of football, I've been wanted to call up and throw my two cents in in, in regards to the game. Like I, I listen to SCN quite a fair bit, and when people call up and they're like they say, "Oh, the game's in a great state," I, I'm shocked. I don't. I've been watching football since I'm 38, I've been watching the football since the 90s. I used to come home from school. I used to watch all games, collingwood Collingwood Essendon, Collingwood-Carlton. I'm a Geelong supporter. I love watching football. To me, the game is not a great state. It's not because of the money factor. It's not why I'm going to the footy. I I don't buy anything from the football when I go there. I just really am disappointed with how the game... Like, these free kicks are doing my head in. I can't stand the video referee. Oh, it's it's just it makes me. It's really very very frustrating to watch. If I could have three people in charge of the AFL, it would be Eddie Maguire, Kane Corns, and um, David the uh, David King. They're three people. I feel like every <laughs> just three people.
2: So who runs what? Who's got what portfolio?
6: Know. They can
1: figure it out. But their opinions <laughs> on how the game should be run, yep. I, I tend to agree with. All the time, even Dwayne Russell, you can throw in the mix. But that's that's just one of the things. I'm really, I find that like I love watching the game. I, I watch it on TV because it's just form of habit. And I love, like, I, like for example, the game that just passed the new the the noon's goal. Whatever. I'm not a cold support. I'm not a soft sports Carlton, but whatever. But when that happened, like I just can't stand. Like I, like fair enough if the right result was done. But to me, I just feel like it just. Just imagine if that happened in the Michael Long goal in 1993. Like, oh, it's going to go video review for the touch. And it wasn't conclusive. And Silvani touched. Like, it's just the dumbest. I can't... I don't know. I, I, my mates, I argue with them. They like it. I don't... I just... I'm just really... so I hate where the game is at the moment. Oh, I'm there sorry to, to be some changes.
2: I'm it. sorry to hear that you hate where the game's at. I agree with you wholeheartedly on the score review. It's a joke. It's an embarrassment to the competition. Uh, it's the greatest piece of tight assery I can remember seeing it's as i said last night it is george costanza going in with susan to get the wedding invitations we've got our most expensive at the front and our, our least expensive at the back and he turns straight to the back and says give us these and points to the cheapest ones they ended up killing susan spoiler alert if you haven't seen the episode of seinfeld um, and and this is killing enjoyment of the game and uh, it's embarrassing um, it is incredible tight-arsery. So I agree with you on that part. The rest of it, oh, I think the game's in a very, very good state. But um, that's what we're all here for, to debate these things. Hey, thanks for your call, Nick. I appreciate it. Ray's in Sydney. G'day, Ray. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. What have you got for me? Uh, Jordan Degui. Okay.
6: $25,000 suspended.
10: Mm-hmm.
6: Now, what I Take the loan, Stephen May, what did Melbourne do? Rub him out for a week. I reckon he should have been rubbed out for at least six weeks and had that suspension of that $25,000, had that there, also put him on uh, suspension. His track record is absolutely appalling. I can't believe it. Gee, if I was the president of the club, i know what I would be doing, reading the riot act.
2: Uh, Ray, I appreciate you ringing up to make the call. I think there's a few people that uh, have felt the same way and uh, a few people questioning some of the decisions that are being made in terms of disciplinary. Um, And there's a couple of people that are texting and talk about, and I think because Jordan Ngoi raised this, about thinking that the media go on a witch hunt to bring players down. I I can't speak for everybody in the media. I can only speak to myself. I don't want to bring anybody down. And this station... I can speak for the people on this station. There's nobody on this station that takes any joy in when players find themselves uh, in trouble. Nobody wants it. Nobody's keen on it. Nobody nobody gets excited by it. It just has to be reported on and the way in which people do it. And I and I can say to a person here, because there's just a few texts that are coming through saying that we've run over the top of Ginevan and Cox and and I don't even know what that's referring to, Cox, and then Dagoe. Every person on there ha- absolutely has empathy for people as human beings. We don't judge the people and we don't judge them as people and try to give people the benefit of the doubt and understand that people make mistakes. But, but, the, but the incidences themselves are newsworthy and then the comments that come are about the actions, not the person. And you have to be able to separate that. I don't see anybody that looks to sink the boot in to any of the players in these situations, so I don't get, I don't get my back up about much, but I do get my back up about that because I know that I am not perfect, and I know that I've made mistakes in life, and I'll probably make a, a mistake again because we all do because we're human. But, but this is talk. What what, what what we talk about in these situations is what will the consequences be for this, in terms of the football club, in terms of the game? How will these things be viewed? So those things are what's being discussed. This is not a sink the boots into the person as a human being because that would be irresponsible and that wouldn't be right and that's not what happens. Uh, 1-300-736-736-0433-9811-16. Um, I, th- I didn't think we had any more steam left uh, in the Ngoi uh, conversation, but there was five callers and, as I always say, you're the co-host of this show. So if that's what you want to talk about, then uh, that's what we'll talk about one 736 736. We'll wrap it up on the other side of this. Listening to the Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves
5: on SEN.
2: Been an interesting night on the Sporting Capital. Uh, It's been wonderful to be able to spend uh, the extra hour with you. Um, To finish off, um, put some thought into this for tomorrow night because I've got a a little uh, shower thought.
8: Well, you know, I'm trying to get out of the shower sooner, and then I ask myself, why? I mean, this is where I want to be.
3: So I got a waterproof boat, I shaved, I brushed my teeth, and I ordered the Puriticos from Jay
5: Crew. <laughs> when are you getting out?
3: I'm not!
5: Show shorts. For the man who has nothing to hide, but still wants to. <laughs>
2: Uh, I was standing at the footy, uh, sitting at the footy the other day, Carlton Richmond, and it was pouring rain. And we're at the MCG, and there's no wind to speak of. And I watched the two captains go out in the middle and toss the coin. And it's got me thinking now with Optus Stadium fully enclosed, um, you've got Marvel Stadium with the roof, you've got most of the stadiums that don't really have any wind affecting them, maybe at the Adelaide Oval, and maybe when we go to some of the other grounds here and there but Tassie's going to be a fully enclosed stadium maybe even with a roof if we get the team there why do we still toss the coin i know that we used to do it because you'd be able to pick which side of the wind which way the wind was blowing and maybe that would give you an advantage but the wind doesn't really have an impact in footy anymore for the majority of games so i wonder what we're actually doing when we decide which way we're going to kick to what are we hoping that that's for is it just where we prefer to go because our fans are up there or I don't really know, but I was thinking about it all the way home and it was raining. So it technically was a shower thought, but what do we get out of winning the toss these days? Is it really just the ceremonial aspect of it? I can't figure it out. I like the tradition of it, shake hands and toss the coin and which way you go, which way I'm going, but I don't know what we're actually basing the decision on anymore because the wind doesn't really play a part. Anyway, that was a shower thought. Uh, Hey, thanks for your calls and your texts. Uh, I'm, not publicly stoning anyone, I don't know what that means, but I think I've, i think it's time to head off. Thanks for everything. Have a good night. Stay safe.
8: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal
7: ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar semi semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Backers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.